I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back, one and all, to the next episode of the Red Player 2 EGX special. Now, we're not really, we shouldn't really be calling this an EGX special because it might put some people off because you weren't interested in EGX or you're just bitter because you couldn't fucking go, or if you're a bit of a saddo and you don't like game conventions, then you might not want to listen to these. But actually, all we're doing here is talking about brand new, up and going games. Some of them might be great, some of them might be shocking, and we're giving you a heads up about what's going on. So forget about the fact that it's EGX. Just remember that we got to go and try some really amazing games before you did. Yeah, sucks to be you. <laughs> Sorry. I don't care. Actually, I know a lot of people were actually at EGX, so uh, they probably played a load of games that we didn't. So there you go. So we're back. We're going we're gonna to jump straight in. I, I randomized this last time we did it, and that, that didn't as, work out as well as I potentially thought that it was going to. Because so chaos rules. I'm just going to pick and choose now. I'm just going to freaking pick and choose. I'm going to start... I think I want to start on a semi-high, and before when we did the previous podcast I wasn't really sure that we could talk about this but I figured we were just going to talk out of our ass because we're reasonably good at doing that but now actually I think we can talk about this so the game is Star Wars Battlefront so jumping straight in and going for Star Wars Battlefront now I didn't sit down and watch this am I right in saying that it wasn't playable or was it playable it was yeah huge cues two cues so you could either play co-op or multiplayer right okay all right, I thought there was a big video thing where you just sat down and watched... And there was a big video demonstration. I don't know what that was yeah. all about. There's a lot of people standing out. waiting, basically. I don't really okay, want to so, queue to watch a video. So effectively, I didn't want to queue. I did really like the look of it, and it wasn't that I didn't want to queue because I didn't like the look of it. It's just mm. that I didn't want to queue. And there was so much stuff at EGX that if you waste even an hour in a queue, you, you're spent for the rest we, of the day. We decided to do one queue, didn't we? And that was Mirror's Edge. And then they and then the that fell through. <laughs> that didn't <laughs> so work we that well. Oh, by the way, I haven't introduced who we've got because if you haven't li- uh, listened to the previous episode, then you won't know because we're just returning. So um, today with me, I've got Mr. Lewis Knight. Ahoy, hoy. Ahoy, hoy. Uh, and I have the Mr. Lee Hodgson. Hello. Hello. And I'm Rich. There you go. Introdu- introduction's done. So, um, Star Wars Battlefront. Now, None of us sat down and queued for it, so this would have been a really, really drab um, section for the podcast. Look good apart from a distance. From, apart from. One of us has gone and played it now. That'd be me. Whoa! Motherfucking timing, yo. So, go on then, give us the, give I us the scoop. Go I wasn't talk, really excited about man. this. I'm talking, I'm talking. Um, I, I wasn't excited about this at all. I, I'd seen some of the videos and it kind of it blew straight over me a little bit, I have to say. That's probably because, like the rest of us, you've been burnt by Star Wars spin-offs, merchandise and gaming before. Many, many times. Yeah. Um, so... But yeah, I... Uh, I pre-downloaded it and at three o'clock today i sat down not expecting to be able to play because these things never work on time and it loaded up and it 
it blew me away. Really? It's amazing. Wow. Um, okay. The Give most a quick... exciting thing. Okay. Well, actually, one of the things that made me quite mm, stiff. Oh, okay. Um, was um, the fact that it's a got blue pill. co-op, <laughs> co-op built in from the beginning. So you and I are getting this game. Okay. Are you, I'm assuming you're talking to me here. Mm-hmm. Because Lewis's laptop melts when he plays like Tetris on uh, it. Ah, Lewis has promised me he's going to buy a PC. <laughs> we'll talk I, about that I, later. Yeah, yeah. He's promised. <laughs> <laughs> he's sworn an oath. Oh dear. Okay. So, yeah, look, before um, we get so, into Master Race, <laughs> we've uh, yeah we've got co-op to play a couple of uh, different, uh, or you can play it single player as well, uh, which I did. I played that first, and it's a uh, survival waves. Okay, so what's what's available in the beta? Is the whole game available in the beta, or no, is it a section of it? You've got co-op survival and you've got multiplayer two versions of multiplayer you've got uh, a, uh, one that didn't work so i couldn't really talk about that one but the other one that did work is the uh, the hoth battle okay yeah 20 versus 20 pretty sure um, that's the one that they were playing at egx yeah and it's like a waves um multiplayer thing so you you have to each side has objectives and if you achieve your objectives you're pushing the other side back oh okay um so uh, the rebels have to uh, activate these beacons, which will call down Y-Wings to uh, attack the walkers. So it's all about the, the big attack walkers. Okay. Um, and the uh, Imperials have to defend the attacks, so they have to take down their beacons. Um, and the beacons are spread across a very, very large map. And if you think about the uh, was it um, Empire Strikes Back, the Battle of Hoth Sea, Yep. where they're going through all the ice tunnels in the base and things like that. That's all there. Really? Or the, the hangar with all the uh, the fighters. That's all there. Okay. The trenches where the uh, the guys run. I mean, you've probably seen the videos for this. Um, that's, that's just amazing. Running along those trenches in the snow uh, and, and just kind of peering either side, just waiting for someone to pop up and, and shoot you in the face with uh, a blaster. It's, it's quite intense. And, and then and, and defend, defending the... Um, because I was uh, a filthy rebel for a, a little while, defending the uh, the beacon for a little while, with uh, two or three other um, guys around me, and it really felt like we were playing together, because there's no um, benefit to going off by yourself and doing your own thing in this. If there's a way that you can be an asshat and screw over the rest of your team, the internet will find a way. The internet knows all. But you would hope that people that are playing the beta are genuinely interested in the game. I mean, they've they've got to be pretty fucking interested because you've got to download Origin in order to play it. Yeah, so that's, and that's a commitment there's, straight away. There's a bit more of a level playing field as well because everybody was um, new to it. It was great. Yeah, nobody had a fucking clue. But there was a fantastic moment where uh, I'm. We're approaching. This is um, again as a rebel. We're approaching uh, one of the points that we had to take, and we took down. Uh, there was quite a few of us at this point. We took down um, the three or four guys uh, Imperials that were uh, defending that that point, and feeling quite smug with ourselves, we walked up. So um, actually, you have to click on the thing to um, to activate it. And fucking Darth Vader comes over the top <laughs> and chops us all into little pieces. I take it there's absolutely fuck all you can do when the Vader man shows up. Well, he, t- he takes some absolute pounding to take him down. If, he, if it's one-on-one and you shoot at him, you just don't shoot him because he just deflects all the, all of the uh, things. But that's all. Um, there's all uh, pickups all spread around the map. And you can pick up um, certain things, and that will give you that hero ability. So on the rebel side, you can be Luke Skywalker. 
Oh, so you actually turn into yes. that person. And I take it only, wa- only one person can do that at a time on the team. Obviously, you can't have I two. I only saw Skywalkers. one at a time. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it's quite rare. I only saw uh, Vader a couple of times in the hour that I played and Skywalker once. But there's, um, yeah, there, there are other things as well. Um, I, I, it shows you who kills you and and how they killed you and it focuses on their their player and quite often that would be somebody in a, either a mini walker or an attack oh they actually so the attacks aren't just npcs that are walking around they're actually and for people who don't know what we're talking about or think we've got a stutter because you haven't seen star wars or you're too young to to care about it an attack an atat is potentially the stupidest thing that's ever been designed for war it is basically a tank that somebody is stuck on stork big ass stork legs flimsy big ass stork legs um, so that it's nice and up in the sky and everybody in the world can shoot at it. Or tie things around its legs. Or tie things around its legs. And if fucking Luke Skywalker can take you down, then you know you're a knob. Anyway. Because <laughs> he's a pussy. Um, there, also, there are TIE Fighters and Y-Wings and X-Wings. And, and you get to fly around. all of those. I'm pretty sure you do. So this is, this feels to me, it sounds to me like it's Battlefield. Yes. It's exactly Battlefield it is, and Star Wars universe because Battlefront. I, well. I played the original, I think two Battlefront games because they have Star Wars Battlefront, Me Star too, Wars yeah. Battlefront two, and they were not open world like that. They were very much kind of enclosed in corridors, in buildings, or whatever. From what I remember, there might have been a couple of open maps, but they certainly weren't as open as this. Which one was it? Did nineteen forty two bring in uh, Battlefield nineteen forty two bring in open worldy maps? Uh, no, Battlefront or was it modern Battle, warfare? Battlefront nineteen forty two did, but there was ah. sorry, no. Battlefield 1942 did. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking about Star Wars Battlefront because there's been oh. two two previous Star Wars Battlefront games at least. See, did not you not them. did you not know this? No. Nope. Okay, fine. This is something that a couple of people have been confused about. I believe that there was two and there might have been a, an add-on to one <laughs> of them or something. Google. Yeah, so it was Star Wars Battlefront which I think was on the original PlayStation um, and Star Wars Battlefront 2 which I couldn't tell you what platform that was on. It might have even been on PC as well as other platforms, that one. Um, and I'm pretty sure I played them both, although they've all blended together in my mind. And I don't remember any particular, particularly big open maps on them because of the power of the consoles that they were playing on. It was all quite corridor shootery. And, were they uh, console and, only? Do you know I can't remember? Very possibly, because I had consoles at the time. I think Battlefront 2 might have been out on the, uh, on the PC. Anyway, l- long story short, effectively what they're doing is rebooting the franchise and just calling it Battlefront, which actually there has already been a Star Wars Battlefront game, which is a little confusing. But anyway, I think, I think they're so old that most people, like yourself, didn't even know that. Anyway, look, we need to move away from this now because we've been talking about it for a really long time, but it sounds amazing. And directly after this podcast, oh. I'm going to be playing it. It's, it, it's, it is amazing in all sorts of ways. Um, quickly, a couple of other things. Graphically, oh my God. Just leave that right there. And <laughs> the audio, um, I was running along on a trench and I could hear somebody uh, in the next trench along and they said, I've got a bad feeling about this. Really? Yep. And I just like stopped and put my, I took my hands off the keyboard and thought, oh my God. <laughs> I'm 15 <wicked>. again. <laughs> Quick side okay. note, because I've got no real uh, interest in Battlefront, to be honest. Um they, someone's done some data mining today and has found Leia, Emperor, Leia, Han Solo, and, and Han Solo, Emperor, yeah. whatever it is. In the, in the data files. Yeah, yeah C3PO's yeah, that doesn't surprise well. me at all. I mean, this is so, rife for DLC as well. I mean, this has got, this has got DLC written. It's already been it. announced. Yeah, so it's, oh, it's going to be loads of, loads of amazing things. Right, look, we do have to move away from this because otherwise the podcast is going to be 50 billion years long like the last one was. Right, I'm going to jump straight into another game. Um, so I think I'm going to change gear slightly. 
Um, so I'm going to, I'd like to talk about very quickly Total War Warhammer, because we spoke about Vermintide on the previous podcast, and there was actually an awful lot of Warhammer-esque stuff there at the CGX. Mm. It seems like they're throwing around their license like candy a little bit, but it's, it's, I mean, I think we, again, I think we spoke about this on a previous podcast, but Warhammer Games Workshop are very, very careful about that so they will let people have the license they'll sell the license to people but they keep very tight constraints on what goes on with that license so you can't just go yeah it's warhammer and put whatever the fuck you want in a game everything has got to be passed through them from character models to character names to dialogue everything has got to go through them to make sure that they're happy with it and that it's going to stay canon and all the rest of it within the warhammer universe um so I'm hoping that there's going to be some great Warhammer games coming out. And from people who weren't at all interested in Warhammer, Vermintide really, really got me going. This I wasn't so sure about. So the Total War franchise has been out for obviously a really long time. I've never been that re- that interested in it because it was really finickety. It always looks like you've got to be like a proper commander. And I'm a little bit like Arnold Rimmer in that respect. where I like to, I like to think that I'm like a, a magical tactician, but actually I'm a bit fucking shit. So I can I can fake it in stuff like um, Command and Conquer, but in a game that actually requires tactics, I just get shafted, and that's exactly what happened with this. Did either of you play this? Yeah, I was sat next to you playing it. Oh, that's true. And Lee, <laughs> and Lee was teaching me how to play it over his shoulder. Uh, over my <laughs> this shoulder. This is the rather. first game that you played actually. On it Saturday. was. It was. What did you guys think? Do you know what? I enjoyed it, even though I had no fucking idea what I was doing. Because you were going, you were like, rah, 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 rah. I'm going to play it on super hard mode. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, like, that was a bit of a stupid well, thing for me to do. I'm going to play it on easy. And then Lee was like, oh, look at this idiot reading the fucking things. And I was like, well, fine. Fuck you then. Oh, shit. I need to read those instructions. <laughs> <laughs> Real well, I, don't read instructions. I, I tell you what. I read through all the instructions. Did fucking help. little bit. To be you honest. just sat down, down longer. It was just, for me, it was just like, right. You guys, pretty much all of you go that way <laughs> and i distinctly remember the instructions saying uh because you played as i think it was dwarves versus orcs and they said mm. um or uh, dwarves work really well in a, a, a defensive in a position defensive yeah. circle um and the first thing i did was send my, all my guys out in a completely wide open space yeah nice, nice in line shit up. for an interesting change of tack what i did is i split mine into two separate forces because apparently i'm a fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> that, that did not work out to my advantage no it, the thing is despite the fact that we were both pretty ga- goddamn terrible at the game actually quite enjoyed it for what it was yeah you I, think game, though, it. I think if it were say you and i versus one another it would yeah. probably be a, a lot of fun yeah, it would I think be a so. Mess. I think it's a kind of, yeah, but that yeah, that equates yeah, to fun mess. the majority <laughs> of the time. Um, the it's the kind of game where if you can find a couple of people that are on the r- roughly the same level, then it, could, it would be an awful lot of fun. It's almost like I mean, it's because it was quite a slow game. That was the only thing that got me quite a lot. Mm. But I guess that's the whole point. But it was uh, it was very much you tell your troops to go over there, and like I say, I play Command and Conquer and and. Um, all the other kind of RCS games like that and I tell somebody to go somewhere and I just want them to get there <laughs> you yeah. tell these dwarves to get there and they're just like okay we're off and I was like oh you've only got little fucking legs get on with it part of the, um, part of the other or the the problem with that is is even using the fast forward which Lee helped helpfully pointed out to me there was a fast forward yes <laughs> it didn't actually speed things along <laughs> no because well, they're still really so. small huh. okay well look it this looks interesting. I would certainly play it. I don't think that I would pay full price for it. it no. yeah, I thought it looked a decent 
Total War game. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you're into Total War and yeah, if you're exactly. up for a change of pace and a change, because Total War has been very, I don't know if historically correct is the right way of putting it, but it's from a tactical point of view, from a battles point of view, it prides itself on being pretty, you know, almost like a simulator. As yeah. much as anything, uh, and I think this is a, this would probably be a really nice change of pace, unless you're really anal about it, in which case you'll fucking I think, hate it. I also think that this is probably going to be more for people who are Total War fans and know of Warhammer, or for Warhammer fans who maybe want to try playing a digital version of the tabletop game, but in a slightly different Well, I was thinking that. Aspect. It's really weird because I don't remember the last Warhammer RTS game or the last top-down style Warhammer game, which is stupid because actually that's all it is. Yeah. It is, it is an, it's a turn-based RTS. It's but it's not using Warhammer rules. It's using the Total War rules. So you don't yeah. have any of the squad rules or, or anything else that's actually from Warhammer. You're just using the units. That's the thing that annoys me about Total War, actually. I, that's the thing, well, not annoys me, that stops me loving it is that... Um, it's one of those games that you have to control everything and you yeah. have to be on top of everything to get the most out of it. But c- you can pause it, can't you? If you can, I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I remember that I could pause issue orders and then unpause it. Well, that'll be the second game at EGX I didn't know about. <laughs> I, I, could, I might be imagining that. It's been, I've drunk beer since EGX, so you never know what's going on. No, anyway, I think you're right. Let's not dwell on that for too long. But it looked interesting. I would certainly play, uh, play it. I would certainly get it. But again, I wouldn't pay full price for it. But I don't think that that's because it's a bad game. It's just because I'm not as into Total War games. If I was massively into Total War games, which I might be, because actually the guys at the stand were really, really nice, gave us some like free code things, and I won Total War Attila. Which is still haven't yeah, downloaded. And I won Total War Napoleon. Yeah, so I think possibly if I download that and give it a shot and actually get good at it, then I might be might be a little bit more into it. Right, look, change of pace. We're shifting to a different game. You ready for this? Oh, I'm not. I, yeah, I just highlighted <laughs> one. I just highlighted one. A league of wood. Uh, I'm going to try and shift. I'm going to try and shift kind of biggish, smallish, biggish, smallish to, to to mix it up a little bit. So I'm going to go with Assassin's Creed Syndicate next. Now this was a surprise for me. What was your immediate reaction when you guys sat down and, and started playing this and started moving around? Oh, is that it? <laughs> it was like sex I, with me. I was. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Um, I wasn't blown away, but uh, as I played, I I got more and more into it. But yeah, there was a reason that you, um, Lewis, didn't like it so much. Do you remember? Well, that's because he didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, it's because he just ran in and killed the bitch. We had one. Uh, there was a level to play. An objective to do, and I did it one way, you did it at another, uh, and Lewis just went, oh, I'm, the objective is to kill such... Uh, oh, I'm no. just going to stab her in the face. And, uh, while I quite like that, and I love the fact that the game actually allows you to do that, because there was basically no barrier to just running in and stabbing her in the head. I spoke to the guys afterwards about this, but anyway, effectively, um, for those of you that haven't been to EGX or haven't played this or whatever, haven't seen anything about it, the level that we started off on was basically, it started off with a little cutscene, and it went, here's this bitch, right? She's a bit of a bitch. She needs a small dose of stab in the face. Go give it to her. Now, you can get into this house that's heavily guarded by doing this, and you can talk to this guy, and maybe you can talk to this guy, and you can go over here and talk to this guy, and then you can get some shit going on, and then maybe it makes it easier for you to get in the house. So immediately, me and Lee, off we went, started pottering around, climbing up, 
buildings. Exploring and yeah, seeing what all sneaking. the yeah sneaking, seeing what the mechanics were, seeing what we could get away with with being spotted by the guards, see what people would attack us, what people wouldn't attack us, all of this kind of stuff. Getting the most out of it. And I think possibly by the time that I cl- scaled my first building, Lewis had just brazenly walked into the house, stabbed the chick in the left eye socket, and walked out again. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just kind of stood up, dropped the pad, and walked out. <laughs> that was my mic drop. It was like, yeah, yeah that was it, bitches. <laughs> and I'm done. You can touch me. I quite like the fact that you can do that. Now, I think that the character we were playing with was souped up. I think they had, like, gear and stuff that you wouldn't maybe necessarily have at that point in the game. Um, But I did a load of exploring. I did a load of jumping around. I've got to say, so we we spoke to the guys a little bit after this. Now, I'm not entirely sure how true any of this information is. So if we got any of this wrong, then blame the Ubisoft guys that were at the stand. So what they've said is, what one of the guys that was there said was, they feel like... Now, you might, you might get in trouble for saying this, but I won't say who he was. Ubisoft kind of feel like they may have made a couple of mistakes in the, in the, in the last couple of um, titles in the Assassin's Creed franchise. So they did the boats in Black Flag. Black Flag as a whole was a triumph, in my opinion. I thought it was absolutely amazing. Was Agreed. it Rogue? Was the other one? Uh, Unity. Unity. Unity and, yeah. yeah, but there was Unity another one, Rogue. wasn't there? Unity yeah, was the next-gen game. And, yeah, and Rogue um, was the other. Rogue and both, and both of those port. didn't, you know, they didn't set the world on fire. And it's certainly Unity nearly did set consoles on fire. Um, and they got a lot of bad press for it, even though actually Unity was supposedly a pretty good game. But they ended up getting a lot, a lot of bad press for it. And I quite admire the fact that they keep trying different things. I mean, the, 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 the boats in Assassin's Creed 3, they were a nice addition. But the idea of turning an entire game into a very pirate boat-centric game was a bit of a risk, and it it pulled off and it worked really nicely. The idea of making a co-op game with Unity, again, it was a nice idea because it's something a lot of people had always wanted from an Assassin's Creed game. Did it work? I'm not really sure that it did, but they certainly got a bad name for it. Anyway, what they've said that they're doing now is they're going right back to basics, and they are stripping everything else away so as far as i'm aware there's no multiplayer in this game there's no co-op in this there's no boats there's nothing fancy it's going straight back to bog standard what assassin's creed core gameplay is um now if i'm wrong in any of that again don't blame me blame the guy that was speaking to me at the ubisoft stand i'm pretty sure he worked there either that or he just had a ubisoft t-shirt on but i've got to say from the combat and the climbing and all the bits and bobs that i did in this it's fucking paid off hmm it was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I know. I mean, just I mean, considering that you didn't get to play a huge section of the game anyway, it was like one mission type thing. The um, the combat would just it really, really made made me raise my eyebrows because it's probably the smoothest and visually imp- most impressive combat that I've seen in an Assassin's Creed game, which mm. is something to say. It did make me feel um, like I was playing the first games again, which were the ones I loved the first two. Yeah, I didn't really get on with the the other ones so much i think it's difficult to get i mean like i say i can't really speak to unity i played unity for a very very short time and just kind of went nah not fucking having any of this bollocks but the character seemed quite i don't know she was a bit of a surly bitch wasn't she so as far as i'm aware there's two two main characters there's a brother and a sister twins is that right jacob and cracker cracker jacob cracker no oh jacob fry and not funny I forget what her name is. It's like Edith or hard-ass bitch with a cane. Eve. She, she fought with a walking stick, which immediately is just badass. So it's effectively they've just kind of gone. Yeah, it's it's in England. What can we give her that's badass in English? Walking stick. Can we give her a monocle? No. <laughs> no, just give her a walking stick. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, the combat was amazing, and I, I kept finding that I was fighting people again, like near to world objects either a wall or a stack of shelving or a box or something like that and without really meaning to 
she'd smack them up against the box, which would kind of like mm. make them fall backwards over it. Then she'd hook their neck and pull them back with the with the cane and punch them in the face as she's pulling them back and stuff like that. It was brilliant. The execution really, really moves well done. were just awesome yeah. as well. Yeah, and it just kept, a lot of them were so casual. Like at one point, I think I punched a guy and he fell against a, a wall, slumped down onto the floor, and she turned away. And as she was turning away and casually walking away from him, just pulled out this um, like single-shot pistol and shot him in the face and carried on walking off. The sound of that pistol was just... That, that really made me jump the first time that went <laughs> Yeah, because you don't, you don't notice her pulling it out or anything. No. Am I right in saying that the walking... The cane, is that a gun as well? I think it is, uh, yeah. I believe so, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that she shot somebody with it. And I didn't realise what was going on because she beat this guy to the ground and put the walking stick on him as if she was leaning against him. And then I heard a bang! Yeah, that's and then it. She, and then she walked off. And I was just like, well, that was both badass and confusing. Yeah. The only thing that was jarring for me in that game was the accents. It made my fillings hurt. <laughs> I didn't think they were that bad. Oh, I can't God. say that Where's I noticed just... them, but I'm not sure I actually got any dialogue. I don't... Yeah, no, you right didn't get any dialogue because you just flew, you yeah. flew straight in through her window and stabbed her in the head. Yeah, I don't... To be honest, I must admit, I don't remember much dialogue. I mean, I remember the, the typical... I think I spoke to one guard guy and he was like, You, what are you doing here? We need to go and stab that bitch in the face. It was that kind of thing. But, Hello, governor. Uh, yeah, it was that. I mean, that's fine, isn't it? That's... It was stronger than that. It was, yeah, I, mean, well, I yeah. can't do stronger than that. My throat hurts. Yeah. The thing is, is it? but it fits in with the, the era that it's set in and obviously the um, the area that it's set in. So Yeah, in, and yeah, a, in a cartoony kind of way. As a, as a mo- like mainly warm-blooded Englishman, I didn't feel like it, had, it wasn't too much of a problem for me. It's typical. I mean, you watch British TV programs that are set in that period that have got those kinds of accents. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. Extenders, maybe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, Extenders just feels like it's still in the Victorian area. <laughs> okay, look, what was generally when we walked away from this game? How do we feel about it? I felt good, Lewis. I, do you know what? I felt good, but I, I Cheated. think I probably should have got no. I, it, I couldn't feel cheated because it was just the way that I played the demo. Yeah. Mm. So I blasted through it and I did it my how I would have done it if I were playing the actual game for real. So, but I, I think I probably should have gone back and played it for a little bit more, tried some of the other stuff that was possible to, um, in the game just to try and get more of a, a more rounded experience of it. I quite like the fact that it doesn't limit you. I quite like the fact that it doesn't go, no, you can't get through this front door. Until you've done X, Y, and Z, you That's can't jump through. Frustrating in other games. Yeah, exactly. I like and it the idea. That. That's good. Yeah, I like the idea that it, it does just let you do it. Now, I spoke to the guys after this and said, "Look, obviously, I did all of this shit, and then I killed her. And actually, there are, there is a way of just walking into her room and stabbing her, right? But I, I didn't do that. I did all this extra shit, but then I missed a step. And so when I went into the uh, house where she was, I had a bunch of guys with me, and they all started fighting as well. So it was a bit easier for me. So I didn't have to fight absolutely everybody." But by the time I got to her room, she'd run out of her room. She was pretty nails as well. She nearly kicked my ass. And I finally killed her and got the cutscene and all the rest of it. Now, the I said to the guys, had I done everything perfectly, and had I just strolled straight through the house and stabbed her silently and nobody would have known what would have happened, would I have got more points? Would I have got more XP? Would I have got better loot? What, what's the crack? And the guy just went, no. <laughs> <laughs> the objective is to kill her. Uh, apparently, there is leveling up. So you do level up like your use of weapons. So like your sword use goes up through use. Your yeah. climbing ability goes up through use. Your um, sneaking, da, 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 that all goes up through use. So the more of that stuff you do, 
the better off you are later on in the game. But it's not a nece- it's not a necessity, and you don't get like I quite like the original Hitman games where you got paid based on how silent you were. So if nobody saw you kill the person and nobody had any idea how it happened, you got like the maximum payout. But if you got spotted by a couple of people or you killed a couple of civilians or you've left a mess and you got a smaller payout, it's not the same in this game. But I kind of I kind of like it if it was. Because it gives you a real incentive to do all these extra things, yeah. That even though you don't have you to. to do it in a silent way, though. But do you, I quite like the fact that you can just go and do that. I like the fact that you can, but I, I quite like the idea that you can have incentives for doing it in a silent way as well. Yeah, I mean, the the way that it works in, or it has worked in previous games, is if you do it in a certain manner, which is true to the the original kind of memory. Oh yeah, yeah. You get 100 percent sync or whatever. Yeah, you get 100 percent sync percent synchronization, and that then follows through. So you get uh, achievements, and I think you get unlockables and stuff for it. Yeah, but that's um, just a but bit, they were yeah. just aesthetic unlockables. Yeah, who gives a crud about that bollocks? Anyway, let's move away from that. But I think we all came away quite, pre- you know, pleasantly happy about yes. that game, didn't we? Perfect. I don't think we had our socks blown off by Good it. Description. But I think we were we were pretty pleasantly happy with it, and I'd play it. Yeah. I was feeling pretty confident about the the full game coming out because ha- when I stood in the queue originally, I saw a couple of people's games freeze. So like soldiers would yes. just stop fighting or they wouldn't engage in combat until you engaged them. But um, w- having played the demo, um, it it was fine. For it me. was very smooth. Uh, now the only thing that I will say actually. And I don't yet know whether this is a negative point or not, but the entire point, in my opinion, of Assassin's Creed was the climbing. I mean, that was the whole engine that they brought into it. That was the whole thing that they carved out for themselves. It had, like, you know, semi-realistic climbing where you actually grabbed onto things that were on the walls of buildings and stuff, and if there wasn't Mm. anything to grab onto, you had to find a different way around. Now, in this one, imagine my surprise when I'm running along and I accidentally push one of the bumper buttons and she just fires this grappling hook thing out of her arm, a la Batman, and just flies up to the top of this building. And I'm just like, well, that makes everything else kind of pointless, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, to start with, I thought that you could only do it in certain places, you know, kind of like the Assassin's Eagle jump thing that you can do to land in the haystack. But I tried it in a couple more places and it turns out you can pretty much do it anywhere, which is just a bit bollocks. Sounds a bit Just Cause Syndicate. Well, yeah, it's got a bit of that going on. So it's just kind of... The whole thing is there's supposed to be a risk with you climbing up a wall because a guard might walk around the corner and you haven't quite scaled the entire thing yet or something like that. And the ability to just go, I'm I'm up there, is, I don't know, kind of negates a large part of the game. Anyway. Well, we only played it for 15 minutes. so Yeah, yeah. Or if you, Lewis, played it for 30 seconds. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it did have a nice short queue, so it could have gone around again. Yeah, that's true. I probably could have just stayed on because we we all walked on and there were free desks. Yeah, to yeah. That, so I'm not really sure. Was it? It was right at the end of the day, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think there was a bigger queue earlier on in the game. They had a fair amount of um, screens for you to play on as well. So yeah, that like, was heavily populated, wasn't it? Right. Are we done? Are we done with Assassin's Creed Syndicate? Yes. Excellent. Right. The next one I'm going to jump to is I'm going to jump to a couple actually. I'm going to talk about both of these games right next to each other because. I don't really know why, but just because they felt very similar. So both of these are mobile games. So iPad... In fact, actually, they might exclusively be iPad and iPhone games. I only actually saw them being played in iPad and iPhone. The first one is Dashy Crashy, which we just picked up for a few minutes and had a quick play with. I played it a little bit longer than I think you did, Lewis. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. This is quite neat. And I don't know... 
I couldn't find any of the devs or anybody there. I don't know if there was any anybody like monitoring this stand or anything. But effectively, all it is is it's a multi-lane highway, and you're this taxi or a car or whatever yeah. and you've got to swipe up to go faster swipe left and right to change lanes to avoid traffic and every now and again there'll be like i don't know a pileup or uh, something going on you've got to try and avoid it but it's got this really kind of quiet thing to it and it's got like big japanese noises and sounds and all this kind of stuff that elevates it and makes it look quite cool i got quite into it i thought it was quite nice i don't hmm. know how long i'd be able to play it but it was quite an enjoyable game i think it's just one of those like one of those mobile games that you play when you go to the loo. You go for a dump. <laughs> yeah. If you want to keep them timely. Yeah. So you just, yeah, you play it for like 10 minutes. You're like, shit, I should probably get back to my desk before anyone notices that I've been in it for 25 minutes. <laughs> hmm. A game that you probably wouldn't play when you go for a dump for a couple of reasons is Man or Goat. Oh, yes, you would. <laughs> that would you be remember? amazing, especially in a public toilet. No, that wouldn't be any good at all. Okay, so we played another game. I'm putting these two next to each other because these are kind of like the complete opposites of the of the mobile games that we saw that were there. It's worth noting that the guys that we spoke to, the guys from NukeQuest Games that were making Man or Goat, were brilliant. They knew exactly what they had. They weren't making any attempts to disguise it. They weren't flashing it up or playing it up or anything like that. So who wants to describe the nuances Hang of this on, game? Well, one of my favorite um, standout moments from EGX this year was when you came over to me and said, you've got to come and see this game. <laughs> and then you described it. So I right, think okay. you should. Okay. So effectively, you ready for this? So effectively, what you what happens is you sit down in front of this thing and they, they had some speakers set up. Oh, you know, you could have, have headphones or whatever. It's your choice. Uh, and what happens is um, it plays a noise of a goat and you have to decide whether the, the sound was a goat or whether it was a man making a goat noise. And you've just got two buttons on the screen and you've got to choose man or goat. It's imaginatively titled. <laughs> it's genius. It's a genius game. That now, must have been think, a long meeting. You think, <laughs> you think that that on its own is just fucking... That's gaming genius right there. Mm. But no, no, no. There's a poo mode. Gold. Just absolute gold. So basically, in the poo mode, I don't even know, but basically this uh, this goat starts crapping everywhere and flicking its tail, as goats do. Uh, and it flicks full the, sound effects with as full, well in full HD. Poo, poo, poo HD sound effects. Um, and it flings the poo everywhere and you've got a bucket and you've got to try and catch the poo and I'm pretty sure that it's we as well uh, and you've got to catch the poo uh, and then you get bonus points and it Is moves on to the was? next round yeah I think that's what it was meant to golden be golden shower really, type thing uh, yeah I think yeah I'm not really sure it sounds bizarre it sounds ridiculous but I tell you what I defy you to play this game and not have a massive smile on your face the first it's on time on my iPad <laughs> oh have you got it already have you oh yeah this is free on That's the on the on app store, iPad. yeah, it's completely free on the app store. I didn't even see any adverts. I'm not sure how they're making money out of this. Has it got adverts on it? Yeah, yeah. I was talking to uh, the dev and he, the dev and voice actor. Yeah, because <laughs> he said he recorded three thousand, um, three thousand takes of him making goat noises, of which he then had to go through and edit them, and he cut it down to one thousand in the end. What the fuck? Yeah, and he was saying that you you can unlock stuff. Um, throughout the game or if you can't be asked then you can kind of purchase the game right, and okay. unlock them all by buying this stuff yeah so, there's right, loads of different okay. modes in it like the poo mode um, that you have to go and play it to unlock I've, yeah, yeah I've since found out um, and it, one of on. the, the yeah one of the good things was uh, when I was playing it he, he was leaning over my shoulder and, and there would be a sound which was a man or a goat and I was like trying to listen and he's going that's a man that's a man 
<laughs> like you made this game, man. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> you recorded know. that fucking noise. It's like he's there listening for himself. This is the stupidest thing. This was in was it called the left field section? The left field collection. The left field collection. Now the left field collection for people that weren't at EGX was basically this kind of bland white corridor full of all of these indie games for, uh, that were so small or weird or wacky or out there that they didn't want to spend a lot of money some of them they didn't even have the devs there and somebody had just taken like a, a sharpie and written the name of the game on the white wall they didn't have any branding or anything like that and that's where this was and i've got to say that this game had this big group of people around it who were all laughing their asses off hmm. and all the other games i felt a little bit sorry for the so, other ones were really easy to walk past Yes. This was not. Yeah. This, yeah, it wasn't difficult. It wasn't easy, especially with all the noises coming out the speakers yeah. and all the rest of it. And the the problem is in the left field collection for me was there were some games there who that looked very, they looked really interesting. And then when I I can't remember what they're called, but we like we sat down and played them, and it was just like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. So why I am I here? I want to talk to talk to someone about this game, but there's Actually, no one here should, to talk to. Yeah, you could include Modzork in this part as well. Because that was another one from that section. I don't even remember that game. I played that one. Was it good? It was... Um, okay, that? then. <laughs> <laughs> don't really. oversell it. it. Well, it's really difficult. It used uh, a DualShock controller, or a, it might have been an Xbox controller, with the two analog thumbsticks. And you had two dots on the screen uh, that you could move independently. And one was one colour and one was the other colour, a different colour. And if you pushed a button on the... It might have been a trigger... The, um, these two dots would be connected with a laser beam. Uh, so you would have to position them uh, with enemies flying around the screen. Uh, you'd position them so that they, when you press the button, they would fly into this laser beam and die. Oh my god, it was just trying to get your your right your hand and left hand in and unison. left brain and right brain to work together uh, independently. Oh, it's just, uh, just I had to get up and walk away because I was very angry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a game where you have to make the two halves of your brain work correctly and actually you just the only thing that they could agree on was that they were angry yes <laughs> is that, is wanted, that basically yeah. what it was they okay. wanted to hurt each other so what was what was that one called sorry Modsork M-O-D-S-O-R-K did not play that the tagline no. was connecting people with lasers that's a rubbish tagline that's a really bad tagline do you know well. what man or goat's tagline is no is it a man or is it a goat <laughs> You don't need to know any more than that. Anyway, look, I we're going to move on from these ones, but I really liked... I, I loved Man or Goat. It's not yeah. going to last you very long. It's not going to, but it's free, so who gives a shit? Part of the other thing that I really liked about Man or Goat was the guys from Neep Quest because they were just... They were, up, they, they, were, they were like, yeah, we made this game. It's a bit fucking mental, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah. you know what? We don't care. Yeah, exactly. They were completely unapologetic. They were great. They were really nice. They were actually really, really enthusiastic about what they were I've doing got, as well. I think they've got a good chance of making some serious money out of it. I think it could go far. It could, well, there's a possibility. The weird thing about indie games, like mini games like that is, who knows? You never know which game well, is going to become People talk about massive. it, and that's what you need when something like that. Yeah, that's true. You need to be amazing. I did suggest to him that if, if he could put in some kind of camera integration that takes a picture of people's faces when they're yeah. trying, or takes a little video capture of people's faces, just like 10 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever, so they can upload it to Vine or put it on Facebook and stuff like that, that'd be a great way to push this game out to get loads of people playing it. Anyway, look, let's move on from that. We need to talk about a bigger game. Um... Oh, we had we did have Modsork on there as well. Look at that; yeah. it was even in the it was even in the thing. Okay, right. We're going to talk about something a bit bigger now. <clears throat> this could get waffly. Are we ready? Shall I go now? 
Okay, so we've talked, we've spoken about a couple of indie games. There's an elephant in the room that we haven't yet addressed in either of these podcasts. How dare you call me an elephant? <laughs> Highly. Um, Are we going to talk about Elite? No. No. No, we'll talk about I'm, that in a minute. I'm crazy about. Uh, we're going to talk about VR, and we haven't spoken about VR, I don't think, in, in, in the previous podcast. I'm fucking podcast tired of talking one. about VR, but not on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've spoken about VR a lot. It's been done a lot. I'm sure an awful lot of other podcasts have spoken about it. I mean, the main contender, the main thing to speak about here is probably the Vive. But then also, um, at least you, Lee, played on this, uh, the Sony VR as well, didn't you? PlayStation VR. Play- oh, sorry, PlayStation VR. Um, and did somebody play on the um, Samsung Gear as well? Yep, me. Is that the new gear? Uh, no. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's very similar. The only difference would be, uh, I think it's about 20% lighter, the new one. But then okay. you've still got the phone up the front of it, so it wouldn't make a lot of difference. Right. I don't, I'm going to put a couple of stipulations at the beginning of this conversation. I don't want it to get too technical. This feels like a boxing match. Right. <laughs> Lewis, <laughs> Lee, I want a good, clean conversation. <laughs> I don't want any militarism. Lee, Lee. <laughs> right. I don't want any blase attitudes, Lewis. All right. Lewis. I want some good, clean hits, preferably above the belt. Um, let's just tell people what we thought of VR. A bit, maybe a bit about the technicalities of how this is going to work. I know we've had some conversation on um, Twitter recently as well um, because it's just been announced. Um, I think the pricing for the dev kit for the uh, Microsoft Hololens. Hololens has been announced. And now there's an awful lot of stuff flying around about the com- about a comparison between augmented reality, which is what the HoloLens is using, and virtual reality, which is what all these gaming devices are using. And that's a pretty important difference that I'm not entirely sure that a lot of people have, have cottoned on to yet. So I'd just like to make that comparison as well. But firstly, the HTC Vive. Now, with all of the... Um, with all of the VR stands at this year's EGX, apart from a couple of the mini little indie games that were there that weren't using uh, the Vive or the PlayStation VR, um, you had to pre-sign up for. And the one person who was who was the most interested in looking at VR, <clears throat> Lee, signed up and told all of the rest of us about the sign-up process, so we all signed up, and he was the only one that didn't actually get a place. <laughs> <laughs> so I very kindly... hates me. I stuck on my uh, my knight in shining armor gear, <clears throat> which doesn't fit as well as it used to, and um, and I told Lee that he could have my position. He doesn't sound like a nice guy, but he really is. <laughs> what do you mean that don't sound? Little <laughs> did I know that it was basically going to be the thing of the motherfucking show, which is really <laughs> disappointing because so many other people came out and went, "Oh my god, I just wet myself," and I was just like. Is it is it that good? And they were all going. This is fucking. You've got to get in there. You've got I to didn't. get in there. Anyway, I did. Right. So, <laughs> just a couple of things to start with. So, the HTC Vive. I think that was probably the main the main focus here of this show. Now, um, Oculus was conspicuously absent. They were having their Connect Two um, conference. Oh, uh, were they at the same time? Well, it kicked off on the Thursday. I think it finished on the Friday. Well, they, they could have sent a fucking a couple of rifts over or something. They really Jesus. could have. I was very disappointed in that. And it that's a bit really of a snub to the UK, that is. Considering it was just... Uh, the Oculus is what kick-started a lot of this VR stuff. Mm. And it, it's got everybody talking. It's got everybody excited about it. And then they just didn't even fucking bother for this year's EGX. Which, considering the DK2 has been out for a really, really long time now, and people are really kind of jonesing to see what the next thing is. And people want to get hands-on with the controllers. We've seen the controllers controllers now we've seen them out in the wild we want to play with them and they just went 
biggest gaming expo in the UK? No, fuck off. Can't be fucking bothered. Mm. So, yeah, a bit disappointing that. Um, so the big contender there was the HTC Vive. Um, and there was a couple of different demos that you could play. One of them was Elite Dangerous, which <laughs> I think if you've played Elite Dangerous, specifically if you've played Elite Dangerous in a VR headset previously, I mean, it's just Elite Dangerous in a VR I've headset. I've got my I'm hand sh- up. I'm sure it was great, you know, but if you've played Elite Dangerous in a VR headset, you've played it in a VR headset. I, you know, there's not much more that you can get. Yeah, it was um, It was interesting to make, to make a comparison, and I, I did... I could see that it was better and I liked I appreciated all the ergonomics but I did walk out of there with almost a tear in my eye <laughs> so it's got a high just to compare it to the DK2 which is potentially a little unfair because I believe that this is much closer to a finished product than the DK2 is and if people, don't know what kit, yeah, if, if people don't know what I'm talking about the DK2 is the is the Oculus development kit too um, so the um, you didn't get to play the big demo the big demo that both Lewis and Ben got to play um, you got to sit down and play it in uh, play Elite Dangerous, but as you said, great for a comparison. So higher resolution, yes, right. Um, tracking, I suppose it's not much different. Oh no, it's much different. Oh, is it really? Much different. Could yeah, you tell the, while you were in it? Yes. Yeah, the, there's a little bit of an immersion break in Elite, da- in Elite Dangerous when uh, because there's a, like a cone of um, an area that you shouldn't stray outside of that comes out of the camera that's sitting in front above your. Uh, okay, your yep. screen and if you move your head say two foot to the left or right you'll the camera stops tracking and then you just get this lurch it's a horrible thing but in with the vive you could just walk around the room so you it, i, I should have done it you can get up and walk yeah, but around you were playing inside. elite dangerous if you get up and walk around the room they're gonna think you're weird yeah but, well that's why probably why i didn't do it I was just, you know, I was busy blowing up spaceships. But I did look around, <laughs> and I did move my head around and have a look around. But, um, yeah, you could basically get up and walk around in the ship. And it would okay. be to scale. So it's better. The problem is, because we haven't actually got hands-on with what is now the equivalent version of the Oculus, it's difficult to tell which is going to be one way or the other. But the tracking isn't going to change. I mean, they're not changing the Oculus tracking system, are they? Uh, the, well, the Oculus tracking system is non-existent at the moment. It's going to, development kits for that will go out in the first quarter of next year. Right. But the, the consumer version of the Oculus Rift will ship with an Xbox One controller. Uh, and the reason they've done that is so that all the developers that have been developing for the last year, that's what they've been aiming to Yeah, but by tracking for. system, what I mean is headset tracking system because it's oh, got right. a camera yeah, on top of the monitor. Anyway, right, so that's that bollocks out of the way. The big deal, yeah, the big demo, which unfortunately Lee didn't get to play. I didn't get to play fucking any of them, so bollocks to a lot of you, was the, uh, was the, the stand-up VR in the room with a big headset on, holding onto these motion control... Um, handset things and lewis did that didn't you lewis yes i did yeah and we stood in the room and tried to avoid his flailing limbs um while standing next to a fairly hot woman who was uh, who was telling lewis what to do through a headset so go on i'll let you describe the demo lewis and what your impression of it was so the whole start of the experience was uh just running through the gear running through the controllers and and this that and the other um that was all fairly straightforward she the, the girl that gave me the controllers and said, these are the controllers. I was like, no shit. They were actually quite light um, and they didn't feel too kind of uh, bulky. 
So, which was quite nice, actually. <clears throat> that The bit Go when she me. handed you the controllers. Sorry, mate. That just got Because um, I've heard you talk about this before in the other podcast. And I don't... It didn't come across. Um, the bit where she handed you the controllers, what people don't realise is that you were inside the headset. You couldn't see the controllers. Oh, sorry. So I'll shut up. You carry on. Yeah, so you shut the fuck up and let him tell his story. I get so excited, though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she gave me the controllers. Had to play with those. Um, she took them off me again. Gave me the headset. Put this on. Make sure it's not too tight. How is it? Happy days. This is the bit I was getting to. Oh, sorry. When I had the headset on, <laughs> she sorry. waved the controllers in front of me and said, can you see them? Well, yeah, you're waving two controllers about in front of me. Um, but what I could see was basically the representation of these controllers just floating about in the air. As she asked me to take hold of them, she kind of held them out to me and these controllers came towards me. I just put my hands out and grabbed them as if they were right in front of me. So many as if I was just <laughs> As if I was just looking at them. Um, and it was... It felt very natural. There was no kind of fumbling or... Um, <laughs> she was really hot as well. You could have cut, you could have copped you, the feel. You missed an opportunity there. I, are you are you going to just let me... No, sorry, me you carry on. You carry on. Anyway, you can save all your childish giggling for later on when I... No, I'm just going to do it while you're talking. Right, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we got into the... As I put the headset on, she started the demo. You kind of load into this like hub room with a load of uh, white banners. Uh, sorry, a load of um, banners on a white background um, and a big panel in front of you. As she starts explaining it to you about what you can do, um, and then she goes through how the controllers worked. Um, so, for those guys who don't know, of which I didn't until I used them, they are basically the like Steam controllers. So. You've got a trigger and uh, on, on the underside of each controller, and then like a round circle pad, sorry, a round touchpad, uh, which you can use instead of like a directional controller. They're the Steam handheld controllers, effectively cut in half. So you've got one in each exactly hand, aren't they? That. Yeah. So, uh, and I mean, they they were quite well. They were nice to use. They were quite comfortable to in the hand. So the next thing I know, she's asking me to put my to to like spin a circle on the on the trackpad and all of a sudden this fucking balloon just pops out of the end of the pad what <laughs> i didn't see any of this did you not see that no, well, no, we, no, we, no, we were on the other this. side when he was doing that ah uh, right okay yeah so this is when i was flailing about ran like an idiot um so basically you i had to like do a circle motion on the on the trackpad and then bat this balloon away and she was like yeah that's cool do it again Okay, did that a couple of times. She was like, yep, you know how to use those pads. Oh, but is okay, it just feels so natural then? Is it just really, really easy to do? Yeah, it's so so straightforward. And as I put my arm out, the balloon, I bat the balloon away. And it was just... I was amazed by how accurate... I mean, I probably shouldn't be because people have spoken to me before about the accuracy of these things. But the mm. fact that you could put your hands out to grab these controllers... Um, even though they're only floating in front of you and it's a virtual representation, you kind of expect a bit of a fumble, you know, a miss. Kind of mm. like, oh, oh, I didn't quite get it that time. Oh, but it's so unbelievably accurate that Sub you are literally... Millimeter. Yeah, to, so small. But you, you were doing things, I mean, later on in the demo, I'll let you explain, but you were doing things that were so finite, that were so, like, 
tiny motions. And I was there going, good grief. I didn't know that you had these kind of motor skills, Lewis. <laughs> no, I didn't. And, and he's <laughs> like, an artist I'm, as well. I'm, I'm doing stuff that I, I didn't even know I could do. It's amazing. Yeah, so um, she put the headphones on and then instructed me to um, like go and start the demo, as it were, which was just walking over, using one of the controllers and hitting uh, play. So the the demo kind of the hub demo drops off and the next thing you're stood on a galleon i'm like oh okay this is pretty fucking cool having a little look around and i thought hmm well i'll walk over to the edge and see what's over the edge get used to some of the is it the motion tracking yeah Hmm. when you're walking around the room because this is it's worth noting that this was a reasonably large square room and i would say probably what 12 feet by 12 feet it can track up to 15 feet right okay so it was it was about 12 feet by 12 feet room or something similar Uh, Mm. and he was walking around inside this room now bear in mind with the headset on he can't see his surroundings so there is no it's not like augmented reality where you can see a transparent overlay he couldn't see where the walls or where we were Mm. so while he's walking around inside these things and at this point when he's in the galley and i'm watching the screen to see what he's doing inside the game i'm genuinely worried that he's going to either walk into the wall or he's going to walk into me but go on you carry on yeah, so on this galleon, so I walk towards the edge. Don't forget that you're underwater. Right. Who's telling this fucking story? Oh, sorry. I get Good to the grief. edge of the, edge of the galleon, and this is one of the, the things that I that kind of hit me with the immersion, and in a a good but bad way, which I'll get onto in a sec. So I look over the edge, and as I stand next to the edge, there's like a, a little kind of fancy edging bit in front of me that's kind of knee height. And I lean over and I can hear the boards of the galleon creaking as I'm kind of leaning forward. I was like, holy shit, that's pretty fucking cool. So I walk away, turn around and there's like a broken mast and shit in front, uh, in front of me or behind me where I started. I turn around and all of a sudden there's a massive fucking blue whale in front <laughs> of me. I'm like, right. Your reaction to that, you actually dipped backwards perceptibly like your feet stayed still but you dip backwards and watching that on the screen it you can get you get all that motion and your arms kind of pulled inwards as well it was just such a natural kind of what's this going on what and this was this this is what i was just going to mention was this is when it started to become quite uncomfortable for me now like i've got no shame i will happily admit i can't swim right so my brain was starting to tell me that i should be drowning Oh, and right. I, and I I genuinely started to feel quite uncomfortable. Literally immersed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I I was feeling, started to feel really uncomfortable about being in that situation because I, my brain was going, you should be drowning. You're underwater. There's a fucking whale. You're stood on a galleon under the water. You're, you're, you're about to drown. You're about to die. And then the demo finished and I was just like, thank fuck for that (laughs) it's like like one of those dreams where you wake up just before you hit the ground yeah and it was it was so immersive to the point of being uncomfortable to the point where i i was starting had the demo gone on for maybe two or three minutes longer that section i probably would have stopped Really? Yeah. The thing is, I think I think I the audio plays a massive part in that because I would mm. imagine that you could hear bubbles and kind yeah. of water noises and the whale song and all of this kind of stuff going on while you're in there as well. Mm. Yeah, very much so. And 
and it was absolutely brilliant but very uncomfortable so <laughs> this is anyway. you probably hit on something that actually potentially is going to be a problem with vr um, and this is something that people are going to have to watch out for it's also a good thing because uh, for things like vertigo it's a really good and arachnophobia things like that it's a it's a good treatment for it exposure exposure treatment but in yes. a a secure environment. Yes, secure exposure treatment in a secure environment where you can't actually see your surroundings and you're wearing 300 quid's worth of kit does not seem like the best <laughs> idea in the no, world. It's, it's been used and tried and tested. It is a thing. Really? Yep. Mm, I think that probably put me off playing the entire thing. Mm. But what I mean is there are certain situations in games that if you actually put yourself in it, like I can imagine Bioshock uh, and, and games like that where you're falling like Bioshock, Bioshock Infinite, where you're falling through the air, or Bioshock, uh, the original, where you're underwater and water's coming in and all the rest of it, you could really get panicked <laughs> in certain situations like that. I mean, the, one of the kind of key examples is when I played... What was it I played? Oh, Among the Sleep, which was originally going to be available for VR, but they they pulled it for whatever... Oh, uh, that's for the various walking reasons. around as a kid one, yeah. isn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, now... I had headphones on in that and I got I was sat in a dark room playing it on my laptop and I had headphones on um, and in a part of the level for this uh, the I think it was the beta I was playing yeah um, something just appears in front of you and that made me pretty much drop my load um, <laughs> and I no word of a lie I had my I had uh, some turtle beach headset on at the, the time I literally fling them, flung them across the room, straight off my head, slammed my laptop shut, and <laughs> threw that onto a pillow. And I was just like, uh, with my partner at the time, I was like, I need a cuddle. <laughs> now, you, now playing, you, yeah, you imagine that, that in VR. VR yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I probably wouldn't. And the problem, the problem again. that you've got is as well. Sometimes you need that. Like even playing games on a monitor, every now and again, especially scary games. But scary games are the are the perfect example. Mm. And, you know, after a while, I kind of go, no, 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 no. I'm gonna pause this. I'm gonna walk away, or I turn away from the screen, or I just kind of close my eyes, or you know, whatever. I, I give myself a quick breather before I get back into it because something really scary has just happened. In VR, you're strapped into this fucking thing. Well, yeah. There's nowhere to go. Your- you can close your eyes. You can close your eyes, but you still get your headphones. You know, I, it's... well, I've done, I've done this, and I've, I've tried some. There's one called Dread Halls. is a is a very good example, and it's a dungeon crawler, and it's just made to be creepy. And I've put a few people in that and watched them weep like, you know, a <laughs> child. What was the second? What was the second demo about then? So uh, the second one was basically MS Paint, but in a 3D space. <laughs> okay. Which was fucking brilliant. So she was like, yeah. You've got you basically got virtual paintbrushes. I was like, oh, awesome! So started waving it about, and she was like, "You've just drawn a pair of boobs." <laughs> <laughs> that was effectively that was effectively what you had done. Yes, and then because I turned away and then looked back at, it, I was like, "Ah, so I have." So she said, "You know," she gave me the instructions. So one controller was uh, the kind of palette or. Um, tool menu so i could flick through and decide what menu i wanted to uh, what tool i wanted to use what color i wanted to pick um, and you use the other controller to select that item and that's what that pat the yeah yeah it's like holding up a palette of colors or whatever but it's, yeah. it's more advanced than that so the the left hand was the tool set and then the right hand was the other one um and then you could just carry on with whatever you were doing with that tool 
Now, I just want to just quickly interject here. So at this point, because we're watching on the screen, now it's worth noting here as well. They w- they would let us record in the room, and they would they were okay with us recording Lewis and what he was doing inside the rig. What they wouldn't let us do is record the screen. I got told off. Yeah, Lee got quite badly told off. So we, we couldn't record the screen to see what Lewis was doing. Now, there's a, probably a couple of good reasons for this. But anyway, as we're watching him with the painting, I noticed on the screen that actually when he was bringing up this palette with, with loads of options for brushes and colours and all the rest of it, it was actually kind of flicking around all over the place. And it looked like it was quite difficult for him to select. And the woman who was running it said... Actually, it looks like that because of the way that the head tracking and everything works. But in the demo, you won't see any of that. Lewis, did you see that? Um, there were bits, there were issues. So, I mean, I was going to come on to this, but um, so be- actually before the demo started, I had to drop the, swap the controllers over, which is another good point, is the controllers you can use in either hand. I, I, from what I could tell, it doesn't really matter. Yep. Um, which was quite quite a cool thing. But yeah, I had to swap the controllers over because one of them just vanished. And then the other one, re- when I swapped them over, they kind of reappeared and yeah, they yeah. worked fine. There were some kind of graphical issues, but it was, I think it was only in this bit of software. Yeah, yeah. I think it was because it was trying to do a lot of things as yeah, opposed yeah. to. I think there were uh, a couple the of kind of. One. UI problems with the way that it had been designed because I could immediately think of a couple of other ways that they could have that palette appear that wasn't going to be weird like that and Mm. uh, they'd obviously just decided to do it in that way but I think that's why they didn't want people to record the demo because it made it look kind of glitchy and poppy Mm. Uh, whereas actually it was glitchy and poppy and they were just trying to explain away the fact that it wasn't yeah I mean then I like so once I'd done that we'd got over the kind of weird control set I started trying to do uh, an Vader uh, for our the the logo for um, oh, is that what you podcast? were doing? That's what I was trying to do. Didn't work. But what I didn't <laughs> realize is obviously I was still trying to paint in a a two D yeah a, 2D a two dimensional space. space. So I was doing something that from the front looked yeah normal looked looked nothing like I was trying to paint. But actually, um, when <laughs> I walked around the side of it, I could see that. Um, it was a flat line. Yes, yeah, and it was there were multiple levels to the to what you'd painted as well. Yeah, so which was qu- quite cool. Um, and then I got bored and started painting myself into a green igloo. Is <laughs> that what you were doing at that <laughs> yeah, point? Yeah, I was just like, well, if I swing I my arm around, thought you were swatting flies. I didn't what? know what you were doing. <laughs> no, that's why I was swinging my arm around because I figured, well, if I'm painting, if I'm swinging my arm around, it's always going to be at a a fairly constant yeah, uh, distance. Fixed, this distance, yeah. The problem is that I think you subconsciously do take steps forwards and backwards and stuff because you were what you were doing is you were painting something and then taking a bit of a step back to get a better look at it and then mm. painting something else. But obviously now you're ever so slightly back. But from your perspective, you're still painting on the same plane as you were before. But then when you took a wa- walk around it, which she asked you to do near the end, you realised that actually there were multiple layers because you'd moved around a little bit yeah, while you were and doing it. Fucked. No, but it was still really cool. I mean, it was a really impressive thing to watch somebody do. Mm. And I think if somebody is an actual artist and is you or a sculpture, a sculpture, not a person's a sculpture, yes. a, sculpt, a sculptor. Yeah, no, I said sculpture. That's a different thing. If, if oh, somebody yeah. is a sculptor, then um, I think it would be great because they'd be used to working in three D spaces. And stuff. I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching a, uh, a YouTube video of somebody um, using that um, what's it called tilt brush. And I, mm. uh, they were trying to paint something in 3D space, and I thought, why don't you just actually run the paintbrush over yourself, all oh, over that'd your be body, wicked. 
I mean, you would just oh get God. an outline of yourself. That'd be wicked. Why didn't nobody do that? Oh. That would actually be really cool. <laughs> and just make a Lewis-shaped mound. <laughs> actually, that sounds wrong now. you could just add way. the beard afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, so that was the that was that. Was it Tilt Brush? It was called. Or? Tilt, that brush, was Tilt yeah. Brush. Yeah. yeah, Tilt Brush. It was called. And then it moved on to. Was there one more demo after that? The, this was my favourite demo of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so this was the rumoured portal demo. Um, it wasn't as. It wasn't portal as you kind of know it so it was set in the the testing lab but you just have to um it was like opening drawers pulling switches which was all fairly basic stuff um it had that portal um humor to it sarcastic sense of humor um but then uh one of the bots from portal 2 uh, either Atlas or Peabody, I, I forget which one. Um, the round blue one. I think that's Atlas. Kinda, yeah, that's Atlas. Came like staggering out and then just fell to pieces in front of you. And you're like, oh, well, I was kind of looking forward to play with that. But the next thing is it, it kind of it gets hoisted back up and you pull it apart, a la exploded Iron Man view. And you can see all of these individual yeah. components. And obviously you can't see me at the moment, but I'm actually kind of gesticulating <laughs> the pulling apart yeah. of components. VR um, works so well on audio. Yeah, it looked <laughs> it looked so impressive. What it, For me, if you've seen the film Watchmen, there's a point in that film where um, Dr. Manhattan has got some thing, I don't know what it is, I a fusion reactor a, or a, something. Yeah, it's yes. a watch and a series of gears and stuff yeah, like and, that. Yeah, and he pulls that apart and everything moves around and, and then it all goes back together again and then it goes back in. Mm. It reminded me of that. It looked very similar to that. Yeah, and as you're playing, you are like you you can move bits and pieces about and you can actually look in inside it and look at the, the different components and the resolution. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I assume that's the right word. Let's go with resolution. It, it was, The display was so good that you could read the writing on... Um, on individual components. On, on components and stuff like the, that. The great thing about that is, because of the way that it renders, you, you could actually, le- and you were leaning your head in to certain mm. parts of it and it you could and as you lent in obviously it's got to look 
finer and finer and finer at these things. And at that point, if you've got an, any kind of like jagged edges because anti-ailing isn't on and stuff like that, it would become really apparent. But on the screen, certainly, it just looks smooth and perfect. Mm. I don't know what kind of rig they were running this thing on. I would imagine it's pretty beefy. 980 GTX. Right, okay. But um, the whole point just as well to point out with this whole um, Atlas pulling apart robot thing is there's been loads and loads of talk on YouTube and other places about what you need to do to solve this because supposedly it's solvable it's a puzzle where you need to to put mm. the robot back together and fix it so me and Lee were talking to the woman while while you were trying to do this and we said so you know what do you have to do to fix it she went you can't it's impossible <laughs> <laughs> she just went you can't it's a myth she said it's a complete myth there is no way of she said it's not a puzzle it's a demo there's no way of solving this thing. There's a horrible like, internet rumor that you could yeah. fix it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, there you go then. And there's probably people that have been trying desperately to do this. Yeah, I mean, I basically just ended up spinning the cogs as quickly as possible and then yeah, the whole well, you, fell you on the floor. Yeah, you were just playing around with it, but I thought that it was great because it was really showing the motor skills because you weren't you weren't taking ages and ages. Like, I've used delete motion and I've used other, other motion sensing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so finickety to get it to do things. Like, it never really hits perfectly first time. And you were just going, spin this, spin that, open that drawer, move that screw, move that whatever, spin that, spin this, put it in, put it out. And it's just like, you didn't stop. You didn't seem to think to go, to stop to think, oh, am I just getting the right part? It seemed so natural that you were always mm. hitting exactly the right component, component, the one that you were actually trying to hit. Yeah. Did it feel uh, that natural and that accurate it, when you were it, in it? Yeah, it was just so intuitive and it felt really natural and fluid to just be able to, like, oh, I want to spin that part as quickly as possible. So I'm going to spin it and then flick my wrist. And then I thought, shit, I'm also holding about 300 quid's worth of gear at the moment. So probably don't <laughs> want to do that too much. But um, yeah, so after all the bits fall on the floor, the demo kind of starts to shut down and they move you into a different room then kind of floor panels move uh, fall away i'm like in a portal yeah, fashion right okay yeah i was like shit i need to step back here because otherwise i'm gonna fall, fall oh is that edge. is that what you were doing there because i wasn't watching the screen at this point i mm. saw you look down and kind of go oh oh and start backing away i didn't realize what was happening yeah so the the individual floor tiles like this the sides have been taken away um and as i'm looking at the floor watching the floor tiles move away i look up and glados is just right in front of me oh fucking hell i was like oh oh <laughs> hi glados <laughs> nice to see you there want some cake um yeah so she does her kind of she does a little kind of glados glados style spiel this is the bit that i thought was quite interesting that may le- possibly lead on to something bigger or it may just be a complete red her- herring after she disappears they slide another box room in front of you which is the start of a testing chamber so there is a button a door a companion cube and a delivery portal i was like yes this is what i've been waiting for and then bam demo finished ah oh, so you reckon that might be a teaser for, for I, yeah, what I, is to come i'm not i'm not sure if it is actually going to be how it would work because obviously we spoke about valve would be mental if they didn't not if they didn't do this yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, it's you couldn't do actual portals. No, you not could a physically move through. No, so you'd vomit everywhere. Yeah, but as a puzzle game, 
Yeah, I yeah. If you, were, if you were effectively well. stood in a spot, or if you had an area that you could move around, and mm. you weren't physically trying to move yourself through the portals, but you were trying to move a companion cube or something similar through the portals to get to the end, then perfect. Or even better, um, have it as two-player, where one of you's in VR and one of you's just got a regular screen with a pad. And you, the person with the VR has got to fire the portals or pick up the physics objects and stuff like that. And the other person has got to be guided through the portals. Yeah. And I think the way that the whole thing is set out, it just kind of owes itself to a portal or puzzle style game. Yeah. Um, just because you've got the two pads for the red and the blue or Yeah, whatever. yeah, exactly. So, and it, the, this, uh, the source engine has got all the physics in it that's necessary for you to do all of this and, and all of that kind of stuff. It would be perfect. Right, look. Mm. Hang on. The, Sorry. Oh, oh, My oh. favourite bit of EGX was just right. after that demo. Yeah, well, let me... You don't have to like jumping in, don't you? Right, so look, that's the end. That's the end of what we, what we were going to say about HTC Vive. Now, the important thing is the takeaway. So... Lewis, when you first went into this, when you were first going into the whole VR experience, you weren't particularly VR taken, were you? You didn't. I, I'll be honest. I thought I was. It, I just thought it was a bit of a gimmick. I'd used the DK one and the DK two um, on different games. Uh, I've used the Gear VR. Um, it's it's a nice gimmick. Um, or I thought it was a nice gimmick. Having used the Vive, uh, that's that experience has just completely changed my opinion to the point where I'm now considering buying a PC capable of running uh, a Vive and or an Oculus. See, the, the whole thing, I mean, that's amazing. The fact that you can take somebody who is, I don't think <clears throat> I don't think it's fair to say that you were a sceptic. I think it's no. fair to say that you had a fairly open mind about it, but you didn't really know whether it had a place you in gaming. You weren't convinced. No, it, exactly. It, it wasn't so much that I wasn't convinced, it was that it was a nice novelty, but I knew that I wouldn't use it. Like yeah. a smartwatch, for instance. I like, own a smartwatch. I never wear it. And this is the comparison that people always make. Like 3D screens. Or like oh, 4K oh, screens. I have to go now. <laughs> or like 4K screens. So, for for example, I know people who have got 4K screens for their PCs. And I'm just there going, seriously, you are pumping an enormous amount of power into your PC to output stuff at 4K. And what are you really gaining from it? Or... And I, I don't know anybody who runs 3D gaming for their PCs, but let's assume that certain people might have done, because I know that you can play 3D uh, games on PS4 and stuff like that. Mm. What are you really gaining from it? Is it really giving you much? And this is the kind of thing that this is the thing that people always bring up. VR is a very, very, very different thing to that because it's not an enhancement to a way of viewing something. It's not more pixels. It's not a slightly uh, 3D depth that you're getting to it. It's an entirely new way of experiencing a mm. game. All right, not new, but it's an entirely different way of experiencing a game. And it, all right, it replaces your monitor in a way, but the parallels end there because there's so much more to it. But um, that being said... There are certain things. I mean, there are two different ways to use VR. There's the sit down, which is you're you're um, you're elite dangerous and stuff like that. And then there's the stand up. Now, me personally, the stand up, the, the, watching you in that demo and you coming out and having your experience with that and just being blown away, that is incredible. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that in my house. It wouldn't no. be possible for me. I can't give over an entire room to do that. Yeah, I would have to clear an entire room out of my house just to be able to do that and even even then there would still be obstacles in the room you know it's a very very difficult thing to do so the sit down experience is what i'm after 
So it's the, it's the ability to sit down and enrich a game by having the ability to turn my head and to see things and all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm looking for. So from that point of view, I'm not sure how much difference there's going to be between the Oculus and the HTC Vive and everything. But I did for think you, it was really very interesting. Little. Yeah, exactly. I did. Th- I do think it's really interesting to see you playing that. I mean, I would absolutely. Mm love nothing more than to have a full stand-up walk-around experience with this thing you but, can um, have it in a smaller space and it is possible to have it in a because you what you do is you allocate a, an area in a room and you say put the the grid lines the the warning lines to say you're getting too close to something here yeah so yeah, you it could depends. have it in a smaller room. It depends, but the problem that you've got with that, I mean, I don't want to talk about this too much more, but the problem that you've got with that is if you've got a game, let's say something like the Portal game, the imagined Portal game that we think that they might come up with, hmm. they would have to design the game from the ground up to cater for people who could only stand in one place and people that can walk 15 feet in either direction. That's, yeah. a, that's a big ask. Yeah, to, that's to, a code, lot of, um... to code a game to, to, to accommodate both of those things yeah. and then there's the sit down experience as well which you've also got to accommodate so it's a really it's a difficult thing to do so I'm going to be really interested to see what happens and I think that is what is causing people to kind of go well this isn't a thing because people can't just walk around their living rooms in VR you're going to trip over things you're not going to know what's going on and I think that perception of it is, is what is making people go this isn't a thing this isn't a viable thing because you can't see your surroundings because you're required to give over a big space for it this isn't something that actually normal people are going to be able to do and i kind of agree with it in that respect but i'm also interested in what the abilities are for the sit down experience because that's what i'm looking for Hmm. so there you go right uh let's take a really quick break because i desperately need to wee everywhere uh, then we need to come back and we need to really quickly I want to get the last the other VR thing out of the way which is the Sony VR the PlayStation VR mm-hmm. and, and get it out of the way because we've spoken a bit about VR an awful lot now but I think it's worth talking about it because it's not Won't just a long. game <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah there you go the thing is VR isn't just a game it's not a new thing for a platform that already exists this has the potential to make big 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 waves it's something yeah. that's entirely new you know the, if uh, uh, another big big manufacturer out there I, I don't even know who but let's say Panasonic suddenly came to the fore and said we're making a brand new console and it's going to have shit tons of power and it's going to do this that and the other it would be a big talking point and, so, and that's kind of what this is for me it's a brand new thing so it's important that you get it out there right be right back then right let's continue with a little bit more virtual reality now i realize that we're banging on an awful lot about vr and if you're not massively interested in vr i do kind of apologize for that but it is a big thing it's it was a big thing at this year's egx it's it's going to be a big thing in gaming going forwards whether you think it's a niche or whether you think it's flash in the pan or whatever it is still something the gaming industry is really leaning towards at the moment and certainly all the big names are really getting involved like steam um, oculus with microsoft and facebook and now sony with the playstation vr as well so playstation vr is is the other big thing the other big vr headset that we got hands on with while we were at egx now potentially not as mind-blowing as the htc vive i again didn't get in on this but i think you did didn't you lee i did yeah i um I managed to, I, I booked up a slot, but that uh, got lost on the internet and they kindly let me queue up for a little while. And they were pretty good guys at this stand as well, weren't they? And it's worth noting as well that while the, while the HTC Vive guys were very under pressure and I got the feeling that after, at the end of the four days, they were really feeling the burn a little bit because there's been an awful lot of interest in the VR thing. 
Um, but the both there's stands, a lot of begging going on. Yeah, there was a lot of begging going on. A lot of it from me. Mm. Uh, but at both stands, I think they held their call fairly well. I think at the Vive stand, there was at least one guy that was a bit of an a hole, but the rest of it was absolutely fine. So very very quickly, do you want to just run us through um, the game that you played in the PlayStation VR, the experience that you had specifically with that game, and and the tracking and how you thought it compared to the Vive? Right, the game that I played was a demo uh, called The Kitchen. Um, and it's a horror demo. They sat me down and said, uh, do you have any problem with horror? And I s- <laughs> are, are you pregnant? Do you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any blood pressure issues? Um, it was... Uh, you, you're sat in a chair, uh, your hands are tied with wire, and you're in a kitchen. Uh, and... Bad things happen. I don't want to tell you too much because it's it's one of these things. That if um, if I tell you too much of about about the demo itself, if anybody ever tries it, it will completely ruin the experience. But do you know what? A, do you know what? Actually, I, I quite like insidious. you to describe. I, I'd quite like you to describe actually what happened in the demo because one, this is one of the things where, without describing what happened in the demo and the, the actual motions that you did. It's really difficult to people for people to get an idea of what's going okay, on. And so they this sit is me for down people who might not ever get a chance to get hold of it before they buy it. They sit me down. They put uh, uh, the um, Sony VR, the PlayStation VR, on my head, which is, by the way, a very nice thing to wear. Much nicer than the um, Oculus and the Vive. Um, really? Yes. To wear ergonomically, it's um, it's far far better. Is that because it clips down from the top? It it's, kind of hovers. It's in like front of wearing your eyes. a cap. Rather than wearing ski a uh, ski mask, it's where you wear a cap. You put this thing on your head, and then the uh, screen kind of dangles in front of your face, and you can move it in and out. So you can have it as close to your eyes as you want it, but it's not pressed against your face. And that's okay. a big thing. That's actually a, a very, very clever thing. Because, uh, I mean, I've worn a DK2 for hours on end, and it's not comfortable. Right. Anyway, um, so moving on. Um, they sat me down. They put a DualShock 4 controller on my hands. And they, um, and then said, "Move your hands up and down." Uh, so in the game, my hands move up and down with the, with the controller because it's been tracked. Uh, but my hands are tied, so I, if because I'm holding on to the controller with both hands, it feels like my hands are actually tied. It's it was quite a clever little uh, thing to do. So anyway, they, uh, I'm sitting in this kitchen. It's a bit run down, and you're in a kind of kitchen in a warehouse. Uh, and there's a guy laying unconscious on the floor to my left. Um, and he starts to stir and gets up and says, we got to get out of here. She's coming back. Um, and he goes and finds a big rusty knife and starts to try and cut the wire between my hands. So I have to hold. He says, hold your hands up. So you actually hold the controller up and start sawing it up and down. See, that's quite smart. That It was a very clever thing. Using now, the limitations of the controller is a good effect. Yes. Now, the problem was that the demo was suffering some sort of glitch, and I had some lag. So I wasn't completely immersed, which meant that all the scares that were coming after that, I kind of laughed at them a bit, um, which was a bit of a shame. But um, the uh, do you want to know the rest? Go on. Tell us what happens. Did you poo yourself? I laughed. It, we, oh. the, <laughs> the, uh, the This monstery woman that's uh, kind of undeady type thing, uh, appears behind him as he's trying to saw behind, uh, through the wire and I think she bites him in the neck and, uh, and drags him away um, and he oh she knocks him over and then she leers over you uh, so he's he's been knocked across the room and she's leering in your face and th- at that point I did actually lean back away from her 
Um, and it was it, the graphics are very good for considering the limitations of the headset and the and the PlayStation 4 in this kind of scenario. Uh, so the guy gets up and he um, attacks her with a knife. They have a big scuffle, and she drags him off around the corner that's uh, just in front of me. Um, and then <laughs> then it's all down to sound effects. You can hear the sort of uh, gargly noises and stuff and squirting. Um, that wasn't coming from me. <laughs> um, and uh, then this is where I did really laugh because a head rolls around the corner and, and then leaks next to your feet. Um, and uh, after that, uh, you don't see her for a little while. Uh, and this is at the point where it did get quite creepy, actually. Um, because, and I think this would be amazing at home if you were in a dark room by yourself with the lights off. Uh, and it's nice and quiet, but at EGX, I mean, boy, was that loud. Uh, and even with very good quality headphones on, um, there was a lot of uh, sound bleed going going through the headphones, and it, I couldn't really make out exactly what I was supposed to be hearing at that point. But basically, she, you can track her by sound, and she's she's creeping around in the dark in the corners of this warehouse. And you, I, you, you keep looking around, and you're looking over your shoulder, and you look one way, and it kind of def, detracts, uh, distracts you to look a different way, and then she basically um, comes over the top of you and eats you, basically. Ugh. So something that I'd like to point out, actually, the only thing that you did, other than sitting there and looking around, mm. was lift your hands up to saw this. That's all I did. See, that's the only thing that I'm not getting. Because if you are sat there at home, you're going to want more of an experience in actually playing oh, this, this was, game. This was plainly... I was a bit disappointed I got this, because I could have... They had uh, Eve Valkyrie there. They, I could have been playing that. That would have been great. Right, okay. See, that's the only thing. It's a bit kind of, uh, you know, really the only thing that you did in any way to interact with the game was was to lift your hands up and try and saw mm. through this thing, which is a pre... You know, you're effectively sitting there watching a 3D movie aren't you? In which you can move your head around and you get 3D sound effects and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, an so, immersive, interactive one, but not very interactive. No, okay. Um, now, there are in, other ones with the controllers, with the move controllers that would have been much better. Would have been better. Yeah. Does it Does it do head bob as well as look left, right and up and down? Yes. So can you, you duck? Positional, and... positional tracking is... Right, really, okay. Yeah. Right, that's fine. Okay. So in your opinion, is the PlayStation 4 powerful enough um, to, to run this? I know it's really difficult based on that demo because you were just sat still and you weren't really moving around. But I know that there's been a lot put on the power that a PC is going to need to be able to run a VR experience. It's perfectly capable of uh, giving you a, a virtual reality experience. Um, there's too much still setting in, in graphics power needed. It's actually, if there are a lot of cheats that you can use um, that PlayStation are using, things like um, the, the refresh rate, the frames per second. So Vive want to go at 90 frames a second, but um, PlayStation are being quite clever. They're actually going at 120 frames a second or 120 hertz. Interlaced. But interlaced. So they're only right, actually okay. having to render 60 frames a second. Right. So they're, yeah, they're cheats. It will, it, in my opinion... Uh, I think that the PlayStation VR might drive the whole market. I think it'll wow. make it much more accessible. For people that have got a PlayStation? Yes. But if you've got an Xbox, the likelihood is you're going to need an Oculus Rift, which oh, is still potentially Xbox, up in the sell air. sell it and get a PlayStation. <laughs> really? <laughs> sell it and yeah. get a PC. Come on, Master Race. Or that. 
<laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Look, we we banged on about VR an awful lot, but it is an important thing, and it is something that was a big thing. I'm at sated EGX, now. But, you can move. Um, on. I think uh, for both of you, for the experiences that you had within VR, I know Lee, you had high expectations anyway because you've already got a VR headset and you know what they're capable of. Mm. Did you come away feeling yes, we are moving forwards, and yes, there are big, bigger and better things happening? The thing that really blew me away about that weekend was uh, the look on Lewis's face after he came out of the Vive demo. Yeah, that, that alone. Yeah, because I, I knew what to expect. Yeah, that uh, was brilliant. Uh, and Lewis, we've already spoken about it, but are you mm. kind of sold on VR now? Are you kind of sold on it? It is capable of really immersing you in something. And while that particular experience that you had might not be viable at home, it's still something that you're you're going to be interested in. Uh, yes, definitely. Perfect. There you go. And I didn't play any of them. right so from that massive bombshell we're going to move on to to some of the other games that we played at egx because we've been banging on about vr for a really long time so from those heady heights we're going to move into um a no i'm not going to say a little game because it's it's easy to peg this particular one into the kind of little mobile handheld game genre. But actually, I played this, and I think, Lee, you played this as well. Yes. And, Lewis, I know you've definitely played it before, but I don't know if yeah, you played I've it at EGX. Pl- no, I've, I've played this on multiple platforms, and yeah. Um, now, these are, the, these are the amazing guys at Image and Form. We've had Brian on um, the podcast before, but playable at EGX, they had SteamWorld Heist on the... Um, Nintendo 3DS. The Nintendo 3DS. Now, personally, this is the first time I've ever played on Nintendo 3DS, uh, and I didn't even know how to turn the 3D-ness on or do any of the things that you can do on the 3DS. So we went, and this is this is the only foray that I think we made into the Nintendo stand. I walked around it a little bit and had a look at some of the games that were going on there, but I specifically went in to play this game. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, yeah. this is a, if, I don't know if people have played SteamWorld Dig. I know we've spoken about it at length on previous podcasts, but this is a complete departure from that. This is a side-on, turn-based, um, tactical shooting game. I think that's probably the easiest way you can describe it. Quite accurate mm. as well. Um, and it has it, it sticks with the whole Steam World art style. So you which are is beautiful. Which is beautiful. You are Steam driven robots. Um, and previously in Steam World Dig, you, it was all about digging down. In Steam World Heist, you are in space. So now you're up in the sky, and you are effectively pirates, and you have got to go on these heists. You're going on these other ships, and you're you're robbing them or whatever it is you're doing. So the storyline, notwithstanding, because really for the demo that we played it's not that important effectively we are we were put into a level in which we had to move our way through the level with the two characters that we start with and it expands to three characters because you rescue a guy and uh, a little bit into it and you've got to move behind barrels or objects and take cover and you've got to shoot people and there's tactics because you've got to bounce bullets off walls and, and all this kind of stuff i didn't want to put it down <laughs> i was absolutely really really taken by this it's got this gorgeous charm which is something that you want in a game like this that really makes you want to pick up, pick it up and play it in the first place. But at the same time, it's this gloriously frustrating tactical shooter that actually is a pretty difficult thing to get on with. You know, it's a pretty difficult game to, to excel at. That might have just been me because I wasn't very good at it. But what, how did you feel about it, Lee? Oh, I, I loved it. I loved the, um, like I said, the art style really, really spoke to me. Um, it, remind, it reminded me of... Um... The old steampunk games from the Amiga days. Oh, what the hell was that? Um, anyway, um, yeah, the uh, the gameplay is sublime. Uh, so easy to just walk up to, pick it up, and play. 
but hard to master. Yeah, that's exactly my experience. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that there are eight-year-old kids out there who will be like you old twats. <laughs> I hope they don't use that word, but you know, they, they'll, be, they'll be all over it. You've played it before, Lewis. What, what's your opinion on the game? Um, I played it last year. No, not last year. Earlier this year at Resd. Um, yeah. And I played it on... It was either on a PS4. I think I played it on a PS4. Um or a PC with a, a... I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. I played it on a big screen is the takeaway from that. Um, so I played it on a big screen. It was a little bit broken uh, when I played it earlier this year. However, playing it on a smaller screen with everything that they had now included and a lot of the stuff that they had fixed from the previous game... Uh, sorry, from the, the previous code I'd played... Um, it felt like it didn't feel like a completely different game, but it felt a lot, lot more polished. Yeah, they yeah. made some changes to the way that uh, some of it played, but the demo was still the same demo. Right. Okay. Um, and it was. It's just. Yeah, it's just superb. It's a very, <clears throat> like you guys said, it's very easy to pick up as a turn-based game, a turn-based shooter. But it's one of it's like a gateway game, I think, that will be one that gets people into looking for other turn based um, shooters or yeah. turn based games. Yeah. Turn based games I think have gone out of style a little bit more recently, and I think a lot of them, if you're gonna compare it to something like UFO Enemy Unknown. Yeah, it's mm. kind yeah. of is I a... mean, the UFO series is a it's a turn based game. It's very tactical, it's a tactical turn based game. But that is at the real top end of the spectrum for me because it's it's a very, very complex game. And it actually, if you are not into turn based games or haven't previously been into that kind of strategy, it's a really difficult thing to get into because there's so many nuances in what you're meant to be doing and you can really fall over very quickly. This, by comparison, is so easy to get into. And while it's turn-based, and I know a lot of people get put off by that, actually the turns don't take very long at all. So it feels really punchy. It feels really kind of, you get to play your little bit and then it immediately moves on. There's to the a point story where, as well. Yeah, it? and there's the whole story and there's dialogue. People talk mm. to each other while they're doing things and stuff like that. And it, it drives everything along. You don't feel like it's a stop-start as other games are because you've only got a couple of characters rather than six or seven that you've got to move around in a turn. It, it, it's much punchier. It, it kind of goes, oh, you do a bit of movement, then they do a bit of movement. And almost after a little while of playing it, you don't realize you're playing a turn-based game. It becomes much, much smoother than that. I mm. just, I was I was properly blown away by this game, specifically because it was on a 3DS. And obviously, kind of, I've got the stigma of the whole Nintendo thing. And I'm like, oh, I don't really know. But I can, I can tell with the art style that it looks gorgeous on a small screen. And the controls and all the rest of it are simple enough to be great on a small screen. But I can just imagine playing on a big screen as well and that it would scale up and just be just be absolutely brilliant. Looking forward to playing on a big screen, actually. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm really looking forward to playing it on PC. I think this is kind of the kind of experience that works really, really well at both ends of it. And actually, you could play this on a phone as well. I don't think that they've got any plans to bring it out on mobile phones or anything, have they? No, uh, I don't believe so at the moment. Right, okay. I'm looking uh, at their website and I can't see PC. It will come out on PC. I'm sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they said originally that it was originally going to be coming out on 3DS. It's Nintendo 3DS. Oh, sorry, Steam. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. I, I think they might be bringing it out on 3DS to start with. There might be a small gap. After that, I think it might be like partially yeah, exclusive. And then and then it'll be coming out later on on the later Best platforms. Best thing like, about the game for me? What was that? Devs. 
The devs were amazing. So, I mean, we've spoken to Brian before, and if you've listened to the podcast that we had Brian on for an entire podcast, and we really chewed his ear off about multiple games and, and the whole Steam, SteamWorld series. But we sat down with them at EGX, and we, we did a little audio uh, interview with them, and they're, they're amazing. It was um, Brian and Julius. Julius was really suffering quite he, badly he had yeah. the plague he had the plague he uh, was patient and, zero actually yeah he was he was like and he Thanks, but he was julius he was still a, a just a genuinely great guy and they took time out of their day to sit down and talk with us and they were talking about the the things that they've got planned for the steamworld series and and how they just kind of sit down and and do what fa- you know what they fancy and they're not pinning themselves into a genre they're not pinning themselves into one way of playing a game or another way of playing a game they've got a universe that they're very very positive and they're really invested in but actually the kind of games that they want to bring out that are in that universe could be anything and they were really open about that and how they've got a bunch of ideas up in the air at the moment that they keep juggling around and there could be anything i mean i think wasn't he talking about a game where you clean the toilet or something like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think he may have been joking i think he was probably joking joking. (laughs) but but uh, the whole thing i think the the way that they talk and the the way that they speak about gaming and all the rest of it actually i think these guys could bring out fucking anything and i'd still play it if uh if they released a game that just came with a chat with them i'd buy it (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) Exactly. So that that was Steamworld Heist, and that's from the the guys at Image Image and Form. Do we know when that's coming out? Uh, fall 2015. Right. Okay. So well, that's autumn for those of us that aren't weird. That's now. That's, that's basically now. Okay. Does anybody want to say anything else about Steamworld Heist before we move on? Love you guys. <laughs> okay. Other than sucking up, <laughs> or is that basically key. it? <laughs> okay. Right. We're going to move into a bigger game. Can we talk about Homefront? Yeah, that's what I was going to move to. Um, bigger, I think, is possibly stretching it a little bit. Um, so me and Lewis... Rubbish, ru- rubbish yeah. Well, me and Lewis sat down and played Homefront the Revolution. I think we had slightly different experiences of this game, but I think it's worth pointing out the previous Homefront game very, very quickly. So if people haven't played the previous Homefront game, this was a game in which, if you've seen the movie Red Dawn or... If you've played Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, effectively Korea have attacked the United States and they've won. And uh, you are part of a small rebel army um, that is trying to overthrow whatever's going on. um, And throughout the majority of the game, you are running through custard. And that's effectively Homefront. That's the first Homefront game. And it was a game that could potentially have been really, really good that was massively held back by the fact that all of your characters' movements and animations and everything were so slow and cumbersome and laborious that it completely detracted from the core gameplay, in my opinion. Not just your opinion, my opinion as well. I think potentially I the world's it was awful. opinion. Yeah, it wasn't good. It was not a good game. Uh, I played the original Homefront game in a room with four other people, and all of us took turns with the pad, and all of us came away feeling exactly the same, that it just wasn't a very good game. Good idea, bad game. So anyway, Homefront The Revolution is a... What are they calling it? A revitalization of the franchise? Um, effectively, I don't, I don't know or care, to be honest. They've changed, they've changed it around. <laughs> this is considerably more open world. It's not as much on rails. You kind of get the option of what you want to do. You've got objectives in the game, but you can kind of approach those objectives in whichever way you want to. And that's where we went in with this particular code. We sat down and we started playing and we had objectives and we could kind of approach those objectives in whichever way we wanted to. Lewis, what was your opinion or how did you approach this and what was your takeaway from it? I'll be honest, I might have gone in with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth from the original Homefront game. And uh, Homefront The Revolution then proceeded to 
if I'd gone in there with having just been sick, Homefront <laughs> the Revolution has just brushed my teeth and made that <laughs> that taste even worse. What, that's, it not, was like, that's not what brushing your teeth does. <laughs> yeah, it does. It made. All right, I've just drunk some orange juice. Uh, just oh, brushed my teeth, and yeah. now I've drunk some orange juice. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's what Homefront the Revolution is. It's the orange juice to the freshly brushed teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Back in they the box. Put that on the cover. Yeah. By the <laughs> way, guys, you can put that on your box. <laughs> That's um, his pickup line. It was a mix of colours, somewhere between black, grey, and brown. <laughs> yeah, the palette was r- rather limited, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure the only flecks of colour were the lasers, and when you were being blown up. Yeah, that was pretty much it. It again, it felt like you were running through fucking custard. Yep. Brown, murky, horrible custard. And it was just utter pat. <laughs> you should have led with that. <laughs> okay. I had a slightly different experience. I died quite early on in the demo, which I didn't mind actually because. I died loads. All and right, at okay. the end, I just decided, do you know what? Fuck it. I can't be asked to play anymore. They were like a minute left on the demo and I just took the headset off and put the <laughs> controller down. And I was like, I'm off. fuck it. I can't be asked to play anymore of this. I am. Um... I died quite early on in the demo, and I realised only afterwards, when I went to play it again, that I it was because I'd done something a bit silly, and I'd, I'd mistimed something that I should have done right, and this, that, and the other. I mean, there were ways that I could have got around that by doing other things, but actually I didn't do those things, so I didn't really know what I was doing. The problem with this game, a large, large problem with this game, is that it's got kind of parkour elements to it. It's got this attempted free-running thing where you can be running around and you can vault over things or slide under things and, and all this kind of stuff. And so it kind of gives you this impression that it's got you've got the ability to free-run and jump around and all this kind of stuff. But as previously mentioned, it's like you're running through custard and that completely takes away from the entire free-running experience because you, you feel like you want to jump out of a window, land on the floor and sprint to the other side of the street, but you simply can't do that because everything moves so, so slowly. So it's a massive stealth. There's a massive stealth element to the game, which again, if you know me, is just not my cup of tea at all. Um, And I really wanted to just kind of let rip and open fire at some of these people and shoot them in the face. And every time you do that, you just get hunted down. It's got kind of, if you ever played the Commandos games, where as soon as you shoot one person, it's alarm, alarm, and then you've got a billion people bearing down on you. That's exactly what this is. It was rubbish it it was kind of dull i mean i think i had a better experience than you did and i think going in with low expectations anyway probably did it some favors because i wasn't expecting great things and i didn't get great things so it came out (laughs) it came out okay um but like at one point i got on a motorbike and at that point i started feeling like yeah great i'm on a motorbike i can actually move at some kind of speed i'm gonna go and back up my guys over here and then for no reason whatsoever i just kind of the motorbike just disintegrated and i flew off it but there was nobody shooting at me <laughs> and there was no like there was no combat there was nothing the motorbike just disappeared and blew up or something happened and i flew off it and landed on the ground and, and then i carried did on watch going. you play this yeah it was if that's how forgettable it was i've only just remembered because of the motorbike bit yeah it was just a wonky wonky game and it wasn't particularly broken it didn't have any bugs in it that i partic- that i noticed it was just dull it was just, just and I, do you know what? I'd really like to be nice about this because the guys, again, that were running the stand, they were fine. They were nice enough. They were, they, they spoke to us. They encouraged us to get in and play it. You know, there was nothing really wrong with the way that they were running the game. It's just that the game itself really let it down. And afterwards, when we were leaving, I kind of got the impression from them that they knew that feeling. 
that a lot of people yeah. have been walking out from that game feeling really deflated and like it wasn't very good because as you were coming in they were quite chatty and oh hi yeah yeah come down sit down play this demo and then as everybody was leaving they were like yeah we know <laughs> do you know they were just like yeah sorry about that <laughs> interestingly i was talking to uh chris uh cook from digital digital diaries yeah and he was saying that when he was there he was sat next to someone who was um basically getting accustomed to the game um for the first time and they were going to be uh helping promo it and she put the headset down and someone said to her so what did you think and she went that was shit really oh my I god just walked over to one side now i d not that i'm we don't want to get any, about, anybody in trouble here. I don't want to get anyone in trouble, and I don't want to claim that Chris is either telling the truth or not telling the truth. Um, but if that's true, that is a pretty telling statement of the quality of Homefront, the front, uh, the revolution. But I, I mean, I think people who promo games an awful lot of the time don't necessarily have to like the game. They just need to be good at marketing. Mm, yeah, but, very but much so. It's but... uh, it's it's not a good game. It's not a good game, and unfortunately, because the graphics are very very good nice, premise, the setting is actually really nice. The mm -hmm. the idea behind it and the <laughs> the motivation behind the game actually it could go really far. But I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like the I didn't like the characters. I didn't like the voice acting. I didn't like the way that it moved or played or shot. Almost everything about it I didn't enjoy. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Just like this podcast. Right then, <laughs> let's move on from the uh, from the deep down crotch twingling lows of the uh, of Home from the Revolution. I'm going to jump to a game that's actually hopefully going to get us a little bit uh, happier. Unbox. Now we've spoken about this quite a lot on our website, on the uh, on the Twitter feed, I think on the Facebook um, channel and, and all the rest of it as well. This game really lit my testicles. It really, it really did, um, for for a couple of reasons. But again, this has got the syndrome of great devs. This has got this has got really really nice people, and I don't know whether they were devs or they. I certainly two of the people I spoke to were actually devs on the game. The girl who was running the games uh, that when you were sat down and playing the multiplayer, I don't know what function she served within the company, but she was really nice as well. Um, Fortunately, yeah, they've got a great game to back up the nice dev team. yeah exactly and that's an important thing so unbox if you haven't seen it yet is the stupidest game in the entire world but it's effectively um the premise is self-delivering cardboard boxes which i think is a very very flimsy premise at best but basically you are a you play as a cardboard box um and it's a physics-based game in which you roll or jump or whatever through the world um, there's various things you can do you can jump you can roll um, there's a, a mechanic that they call uh, unboxing but basically it's card farting so effectively you jump and then you jump again when you're in mid-air and you fart out a smaller cardboard box yes. out of your rear end and then you can push Super it again you fart out another Mario one and you get higher and higher 64. and, higher. and uh, then you come down to ground and you've got to pick up smaller cardboard boxes again so that you can do it all over again now that on its own Sounds a bit weird. It's kind of like Super Monkey... I mean, think Super Monkey Ball, like rolling around levels and stuff like that, but you're a box, so it makes... Yeah, yeah, and it's got... So the single player's got a really, really Mario 64-esque feel Still early it. as well. Now, the demo that we played at EGX for the single player pretty much only had collectibles, so you could you could 
jump around the levels you could pick up these things there were quests and there were npcs that were there that you could tell were markers for for future quests that were going to be put in the game but they weren't in yeah. yet a lot of those really a early. lot of those quests were just um fetch quests yeah so yeah. really and beautiful now the stupid thing about this the really really stupid thing about this from what we've just described if you've never seen this game before you're thinking oh you're a boxy jumping around super monkey ball that kind of thing this thing's made in the unreal 4 engine and it looks fucking superb it looks absolutely beautiful and it's just like why <laughs> why this has no this game has mm. absolutely no right to look this good because you're just a cardboard box but actually it really 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 does um and then there's the then there's the multiplayer it's got a split screen local um kind of oh, again almost mario kart-esque multiplayer because you pick up these power-ups and shoot each other and stuff like that lewis what what did you think about this whilst i wasn't very good at the <laughs> multiplayer i actually really really enjoyed it it's a nuts um, thing isn't it yeah, um, and what I find with a lot of multiplayer games is if I'm not very good at them, I don't enjoy them. Which yeah, which is, is understandable. Much all, which is pretty much all yeah, of Yeah, it's them. every game you play. Pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah. But there were different modes that you could play. So, like, we did uh, Mario Kart-style race mode. Yes, um, which was brilliant. And then after that, we did a... What was it? Like a... Like an arena death battle deathmatch type thing, yeah. A cardboard box deathmatch with cardboard box launch or cardboard launchers and fireworks and mines and all sorts yeah. of other weird. Well, it was a, shit, an island so. setup, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. One of the things that I did notice, which I, I quite liked, was the music. Yeah, the music was great. It had like <laughs> this kind of, of pan. What do you call it? Not pan pipes. Steel pan. Yeah, kind of Jamaican like, style music going on. Yeah, yeah, that was the whole thing. I mean, there was a little bit of abject poverty going on. I was a little bit concerned that a lot of these boxes were living in corrugated steel huts, which is a shame, you know, but they're, but they're boxes. Well, they, they, they're cardboard boxes. They couldn't yeah. really live in cardboard boxes. No, that would that be would ridiculous. That would be the equivalent of a, a human homeless person living inside and then the carcass the of another you. human homeless person. Which has just got weird connotations, really, yeah. hasn't it? <laughs> the, um, the, the whole thing, I mean, it was, it was just one of these... You couldn't walk past it without going, oh, oh, what, what, what's this? What's this all about? And the, there's a massive, massive... Yeah, and then the devs grabbed you, and then they, they were great to talk to and everything. There's a massive, massive difference between the single-player and the multiplayer experience, which partly speaks to completely different people working on both ends of it. Mm. I hope they kind of tie that together a little bit better, because there were really big slices. I mean, it, they could almost be completely different games, which, again, is fine. But um, I'd like them to maybe put some co-op in. Now, the thing to the thing to really point out is that at this point, when we were playing this game, it hadn't even been greenlit yet. So we're not even talking alpha, beta. We're not talking early access. It hadn't even been greenlit. So concept code. Yeah, this is like proper, proper early, early concept code. Did any of you see any glitches anywhere? Not one. Not a no. single problem with the entire thing that they were displaying on these screens. It wasn't just about glitches as well. It's the the feel of the uh, the box as it yeah. rolls along the ground. The whole and thing. You, uh, I, I liked. Um, I really. It all came together for me. For me, when um, you're on one island, but there are, it's actually a group of islands. Yes. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of water in between. And, and being a cardboard box, water's not a good thing. No. So basically, if you go in the water, you're dead. Yeah. Um, and there are strings of mini islands between these islands, the bigger islands, and you have to jump from one to the other yeah. to get across like stepping stones. Yeah. 
it was flawless. Yeah, it was perfect. And, it and, felt so natural. And in a lot of places as well, as natural as a flying cardboard box can do, and a lot of places as well, there were things floating in the water, like pallets and stuff like that, that you had to jump onto, but you had to jump off them quickly because they were going to sink and stuff like that. And all of the physics, all of the objects that you could interact with in the game were perfect. I never saw a point at which something like went really wacky as physics objects sometimes do and sent careening off into the stratosphere or whatever it was it just all played absolutely perfectly and as a demo it was just brilliant it's worth pointing out as well as you're not just a cardboard box you can uh they put in loads of costumes and da, 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 da. i mean you can think, skin your box or yeah, wrap it think maybe. little big planet little big planet yeah yeah, that's mm. the one on the PS3, isn't it? Sack or whatever. Boys. Yeah, Sackboys. You've got all this kind of customization they're going to put into it as well. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Really, really enjoyed that. And I think we're going to try and get one of the devs on the podcast as well at some point. Is that right? Yes, we Beautiful. are. Beautiful. Right then, shall we move on from Unbox? Didn't that win? It won Indie Game of the Show for us. Yes, it and we, did. we made them a lovely because little badge and we sent them over and it was absolutely amazing and we loved it and it was fantastic and they should be really and proud then, of themselves. Yeah. There you go. Job done. <laughs> Moving on! Right then, we're going to blast through a couple of these games because some of these were ones that we um, only play very briefly or they're ones that are worth a mention but uh, we didn't play enough of them to really, really expand on it. So the first one is Nature's Zombie Apocalypse. This stood out because like a couple of the other games there, this was a very, very local multiplayer experience. And I think that they had it so that you could have up to eight people playing it. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, it I'm was I'm pretty right. sure they did. So there was an awful lot of games there, surprisingly, actually, this year's EGX, which were really focused on local co-op. Um, and they had, rather than just having four pads connected, they had eight pads connected. And this was one of them. So Nature's Zombie Apocalypse effectively is a top-down, slightly side-on view um, of your characters, which are all animals. So you could be a duck or a, an elephant or a chimpanzee or whatever it is. And you gear yourself up with a load of equipment, so samurai swords, um, rocket launchers, and all kinds of other crazy crap. And then waves and waves of zombies come at you, and you chop them to shit and blow them up and try and get as far as you can with these waves of zombies. There's loads of different game modes. We only played one of the game modes, but um, it was pretty good fun. I kind of enjoyed this. Did you play this as well, Lewis? Uh, yes, I did for a little bit. Yeah? What did you think? What was your immediate reaction? I thought it was good fun, but the the level that we were or the mode that we were playing uh, i found it a little bit repetitive yeah it kind of was yeah i don't um, know whether there's other modes that are maybe less so no and um the other thing was it because i was playing as the same character as someone else i found that a little bit off-putting because i was like yeah i was watching me for ages and then all of a sudden i you'd cross over with this other character and you weren't sure which one you were yeah pretty yeah. much yeah so there was a couple of disorienting issues i think i mentioned a couple of them to the devs how receptive to those i'm not really sure they were but it was a good little game it's, it was nice for a top-down shooter there's some great top-down shooter style games out there i mean if anybody's ever played um, Hunter the Reckoning, and I think that was on the original Xbox, I absolutely loved that game. And this reminded me of that, obviously, with a much less less serious feel to it. But um, yeah, you kind of level up and get experience and you get money to buy better weapons and, and stuff like that. It was a good little game. It's worth playing. It's worth looking at. I think it's in early access at the moment on Steam. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't know how much it is. Do it's we have any idea? Six ninety nine. Which is fine, you know. If you're if you're the kind of person, yeah. If you're the kind of person that's going to have, if you've got friends, 
<laughs> and oh, you no, get sorry, that's, that's, that's ruled you out. And <laughs> if you've got friends, if you get people round for kind of gaming nights, which is something that I still do because I'm quite passionate about couch gaming. I, I still think that it's an important thing having people round in your house and all playing a kind of co-op or versus game or something like that all on the same screen. Uh, then it's are great. Overrated. Then it's great. Go for it. Don't listen to Lee. Right, okay, another game going straight from a, a, a couch co-op game to a very much personal experience game is Star Command Galaxies. Lewis pointed me at this. Did you played this before? Uh, yeah, I'd played this on the Friday, and I was okay. talking to a couple of the guys from the game, and whilst it was very broken, I didn't mind too much because the guy that was... The, the guy basically pulled up a chair next to me, and he was like, kind of talking me through it and going... Well, you suck at this, so you can have another go. <laughs> he didn't actually say that, but he was like, you can have it another was implied. go if you want. Um, <laughs> Did he pat your head and rub your shoulders at the same time? <laughs> was I it not minded that? Not, oh, really? Wouldn't that have been inappropriate? Nah. <laughs> um, yeah, that. so he, he, he was kind of talking me through and going through the instructions as I was playing it. Yeah, yeah, I played this as well. It's If you've ever played FTL, think FTL. It's more of a kind of, you're more in the ship. It's still kind of top-down. It's an isometric kind of top-to-side-on view. And you get to kind of micromanage your guys in the ship. There's there's much more micromanagement in it than in FTL, to an extent. When your ship starts getting destroyed, rather than having a generalized health bar, like one big health bar, you've actually got, like, where the ship gets hit by a projectile or a laser beam or whatever is the part that gets damaged. So there's blocks. If you think of it like kind of Minecraft, there are particular blocks going along the sides of your ship. And if one of these blocks gets shot too many times, it it opens up a big hole in your hull and obviously big loads of death. But um, Mm. you can send people around and get them to repair. I mean, it was broken when I played it. But effectively, it's I wouldn't say it's a more in-depth FTL, but it's a different twist on that kind of thing. There's loads of things that they're open to. I spoke to them about a couple of things that I thought might be quite nice to possibly think about, including in the game, and they were really receptive to that. So um, from what I saw, and considering how early the game is, I, I mean, I love FTL, so I definitely play the fuck out of this. It looks really, really nice. It was like, for me, it was kind of FTL meets Habbo Hotel. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it looked like, actually. That was really what it looked like. It's in beta now. Is it open beta or... It's in alpha now. It's in alpha at the moment. Can yeah. you get access Hello, to it through you Steam? You can pay uh, $19.99 to join you. Oh, that's too much. That's too it much. Is. As much as I like these guys, as much as I quite enjoyed this game, that's too much. However, you can buy the Android version which is a little it's kind of a cut down version of it ah interesting uh which is just over two quid see that kind of pees me off though charge charge an amount of money for a game you know if the same amount of work has gone into making the game on one platform or another they should be basically the same price shouldn't they well, well it's a cut down version of it so yeah you, you i can't get that run, run the full game on an Android device, so mm. yeah, I, I well, assume we'll, it's on iOS. We'll see what well. happens. The, the guy was really nice. The, the game looked really good. It's something I'd definitely be interested in playing when it comes out, but that that just seems like too much money to me. So there you go. <laughs> right. Next game. Now, I didn't play this, uh, and I think, actually, Lewis, you were the only person of the entire weekend that played this. Is that right? I watched him play. Oh, did you watch it? Does that count? This is Sheltered. This is oh, how would you describe this game? This Lewis's is basically <laughs> Fallout Shelter, but you only 
kind of control one family or one group of okay. people in the shelter. A more personal can... fallout shelter. Yeah, so uh, you can send people out to to like scavenge and whatnot, and you kind of you develop your shelter from there. Right. Um, and you get raided and stuff like that. The the thing that struck me though is I sat down and played it with a pad and I was like, this is balls. Right. This is just utter balls. Um and then I sat down and played it with a mouse and keyboard. I was like, game of the show. <laughs> game of the fucking show. Really? Was it um, that good? Maybe not game of the show good, <laughs> but it was it was still pretty pretty bloody good. So um I'm going to grab it on Steam at some point. Um, it's still only in early access. Okay. Um, so I'm a bit dubious. But tenor. Yeah, it's a tenor in early access. Um, Did very well on Kickstarter, didn't it? Mm. Yeah. So, and I think there's rumours about it coming out in on Android as well. Okay. Possibly. Okay. Which will be interesting. Did anybody ever play Another World back in the day? Yes, I did. And that's exactly what the graphics reminded me of as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. It looked really nice. There was something that put me off playing it. I'm not really sure what it was. But it, there was something that kind of... It looked quite slow, maybe a little laborious. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't really know. They did something that was interesting, though, that, that a lot of these games shy away from. Specifically Fallout actually shies away from. Is uh, there were kids. Mm. There were kids in it. And I know Fallout Shelter has got kids in it, but there is absolutely no way that you can possibly get the kids harmed in Fallout Shelter. And again, in the Fallout games, you can't harm children. No. You can send the kids out into the wasteland, which is the first thing I did when I was playing it. <laughs> Fuck off, like, you little bastards. These are grown-ups. Yeah, that's These guys a... can, re- can reproduce. That's well, exactly. Actually, no, they can't because there were two men. But these... <laughs> They can they try. Can try. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, God. so sent them, sent my uh, yeah. We need children. some alone time. Off you go. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Well, so you were really taken by this. You actually, mm-hmm. you were there in front of it quite a long time, weren't you? Uh, ten fifteen minutes. Which is quite a long time for you. Yeah, pretty much. Normally you're dead by like the end said, of five. Like I said on Twitter, if I if we spoke to you for more than ten minutes or five minutes in fact then yeah. we probably liked your game the, yeah then we were interested in the game okay I, I think I'm going to have to have a look at this actually because I must admit I wasn't that interested in it <clears> before <throat> you started talking about it and, and kind of after hearing your experiences yeah um, and actually after speaking to you about it after you played it kind of a bit more interested in it now because it's the genre that I really enjoy anyway mm. there was something that put me off but I'm going to give it a crack and see what I think right we're going to wind up now because there's one more game that we want to talk about and I've kind of saved this for last for a couple of reasons but it's a biggie for me now we haven't given this a game of the show or a badge or an accolade of any description there's a, there's a good reason for that it had some serious problems and there were problems in the gameplay there were problems in the core mechanics uh, there were problems in bugginess and other things like that however it's worth a massive massive mention anyway and this is Gang Beasts now, if you've seen anything from Yogg's Cast or any of the big YouTube channels recently, you have probably already seen this game. Um, the version that we played at EGX was the unstable 2.6 version, or 0.2.6 version, um, which possibly hadn't been shown before. Good fucking grief, this game is fun. There was a couple of problems. So if you haven't seen this game before, it's kind of, a, again, it's another top slash side down view 
and it's a kind of physics-based fighting game um, in which you punch at the people and try and throw them off the edge of the level to win. But it's it's really difficult to describe the way that the characters move around. It's all very kind of bobble-heady, and they're it's like all very yeah. They? They're all really wobbly, and they're kind of it all. The whole thing moves like they are disconnected physics objects. Like where the legs, no skeleton. yeah, the legs, arms, and head, and all the rest of it are physics objects that are individual, but they're kind of bound together by this flubbery torso. And you get to wobble that thing around and punch at the people and try and throw them out the level and stuff like that. It is insanely addictive. There were a couple of problems with it at EGX. They had two TVs, and each of these TVs were running the game on a Mac, and um, they had eight controllers plugged into each TV. Now, unfortunately, the poor lady that was running this, I don't think really expected the kind of attention that the game was going to get. She was swamped. She was absolutely swamped nicest like one of the nicest people that we met all weekend and she was really really trying her best to talk to everybody to to talk about the controls and how to play the game and get people on on it and all this kind of stuff but she was thoroughly overwhelmed there were 16 people at all times playing this game she was there on her own and there was at least 20 or 30 people stood around stood up yeah uh, that seat somebody dove in on that seat but there were people there were kids that were probably i don't know 10 to 14 that were playing that had been sat there playing this game since i walked past it earlier on in the day so they must have been sat there for a good couple of hours and they just weren't moving and she didn't feel like she had the power to get them out of those seats and get (laughs) other people on the game and and that kind of broke it a little bit because there were some people that had only just sat down and the controls are pretty difficult to get get the hang of when you first get into it and these kids have been sat there for hours and they were like proper pros at this thing at this point and they were lobbing people out of the level way before these people had chance to to get hang the hang of the controls or anything long story short it was a really really fun experience it's an amazing game you can get it on the current humble bundle right now it's ten dollars um you unlock this and a bunch of other games as well as disponia which is an amazing point and click adventure amazing um, value it's great value for this game now i had after egx i had five people around and i hooked this up to a laptop that was plugged into the tv and we all played this so we had six people playing gang beasts on a 42 inch tv in my living room we had to stop at around 10.30 because all of our faces hurt too much. We were absolutely <laughs> wetting ourselves. It is one of the funniest couch gaming games that you will ever play because there's this great mix of ability versus luck and just hilarious stupidity that ensues within all the levels and all the rest of it. I can imagine you are that 10 to 14 year old kid. Yeah, that's exactly in your me. Own house. Yeah, yeah, but I've played <laughs> this with my kids as well. So I had Elias and Emily, we were all sat down and we were playing it as well. And it's this great thing because because there is a large element of luck in what's going on as well that the kids can still enjoy it. And even though the Xbox pads are ever so slightly too big for their hands, they could still get into the controls they were really enjoying it it's not a violent game really i mean it's got kind of simulated punching and stuff like that in it but it's not violent it's not gory no, it's getting it's... thrown into a fire or well, a grinder but it's no different to sonic or mario or anything like that it's <laughs> it's kind of simulated enough car- to be fine for kids and it's very very cartoony they absolutely love it they call it the punching game now but it, they love it we all loved it when we had everybody around and we were eating pizza and drinking beer and playing it. It's an amazing, amazing party game, but it is not without its flaws. It's got a lot of very conceptual issues at the moment um, in in a few different areas. I mean, there's nothing to stop somebody from just climbing up a wall and staying there for basically the entire level. Um, 
There's nothing to stop people from glitching into walls. There's there's a lot of bugs and a lot of issues with it, but it's incredibly, incredibly early at the moment in the game. And that was the only reason that it didn't get any kind of accolade or badge or anything from us for EGX, but it's still an awful lot of fun. It's definitely worth looking at in the Humble Bundle that's out at the moment. It's also early access. Yes. I think you can get... How much is it in early access on Steam? Uh, at the moment? $11.99. Right, see, much cheaper in the Humble Bundle. <laughs> get it in the Humble Bundle while it's still there. If, if the Humble Bundle still exists at the and point this podcast gets like edited me, and put out. And don't have any friends, there is actually uh, a one-player. <laughs> how do you do that? Uh, I think you hit... It's either F9 or F1. What There's... Uh, two F keys one spawns uh, an AI player and the other one spawns an AI boss which you haven't seen yet oh I haven't seen that at all so what you can do when you've got your seven mates around is spawn an AI boss in the middle and of you can all try and fight that one AI boss yeah uh, so that's quite a nice idea I like that yeah right then that is it I don't think you played Gang Beasts did you Lewis no I didn't so nothing to talk about with it no so we're done <laughs> that is it <laughs> That has been our incredibly long and incredibly rambling EGX games stuff technology that we saw while we were there. Sorry, editor. (laughs) It opened my eyes to actually an awful lot because there was a lot at EGX this year that I'd never seen before. I'd never even heard of. I mean, I am blind to YouTube channels and stuff like that, so I'd never seen Gang Beasts before. I know a lot of people had. Um, I'd never seen Nature Zombie Apocalypse, Unbox... All of that kind of stuff, I'd never seen any of it. So it was really, really good for me to go there and see a lot of the stuff that was there this year. Um, Just quickly before we go, game of the show that we haven't given an accolade to. So we've given Vermintide, we've given Unbox an accolade. What was your standout game of the show? I'm going to start with Lee. Oh, Star Wars. Good. Okay. Battlefront, yep, for me. Lewis? I know we didn't play it, but... No, I know, but you you played it since in hindsight. Hindsight's a great thing. It's a great thing to have. Lewis, what was yours? Probably either The Division. Yep. Uh, because it was the biggest surprise for me. Hmm. Or um, Riot. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's a good one. Mm. I, I think I'm going to go Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Ooh. Because it's really changed my opinion of Assassin's Creed games. Because You're I, so corporate. <laughs> I uh, no, actually, I I got to the point where I was pretty much I sold out the Assassin's Creed franchise. I wasn't I was ready to not buy another Assassin's Creed game. Hmm. And after playing that, because I loved the franchise so much earlier on, it's got me back excited about it again. Which is something that was very very important for them to do at EGX, I think. So for me, it's yeah, that that was a big thing, I, and it's a game that I'm definitely going to get. So there you go. Right then. Are we all happy? Are we done? Are we stopped waffling about EGX? Mm-hmm. Good grief. Oh, I feel like a great weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Can't wait till <laughs> next year. <laughs> oh, I think possibly we need to look at less games next year, otherwise the podcast is going to run into three. Right then, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We have been Ready Player Two. You can find us um, at Facebook. Uh, Ready? Is it Ready Player TWO on Facebook? There we go. You can follow us on, tr- uh, on Twitter at ReadyP2. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. I know people listen to us on a bunch of different uh, podcasting experiences. A lot of people have got um, Apple products. A lot of people don't. It really does help us if you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes because iTunes is kind of the central point for ratings for podcasts as much as you might feel dirty for it. However, you can uh, subscribe to us on other 
Android, Windows yes. Phone, yep. or BlackBerry devices, and you will still get the episode. Definitely will. Recommend Podcast Addict on Android. Yes, that's what I use. I think I use I think I use Podcast Republic, unless that's been renamed again. There you go. Um, you can find us. We've we've moved hosts. We are um, now on Acast. So thank you very much to Acast. You can find them on Acast.com. You may find that there are little advertisements that have slipped into our podcast nowadays. That's from us being on Acast. That's why they're there. Um, thank you very much to the Palace of Wisdom. Thank you to Chris, Andy, and Mike at the T-Power Network. Um, there are loads of other podcasts on the T-Power Network, such as Ring the Bell, The Geek Show, The Podcast of Wisdom. Go to tpow.co.uk. Is it the Palace of Wisdom.co.uk? Or is yes. it tpow.co.uk? I think it's the Palace of Wisdom. Right. The Palace of Wisdom.co.uk. You can go and find everything that they've got there. You can find us at Ready Player Two. That's TWO.co.uk. And you can see all of the posts that we've put out for EGX, etc., on there as well. Uh, you can find me at Zebwen, that's Z E B W E N, on Twitter. You can find Lee at Zlizzy. Z Z Lee Z And you can find Lewis at Louis underscore Kong. Thank you very much for bearing with us through this absolutely droning and elongated EGX episode. And I'm done. And we're done. Drop the mic, boys. We're out. Thank you very much, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Selling a little? Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.